When you make more of your home with Valspar, you want to keep doing more. Like maybe you want to make your powder room more colorful, or make your basement more waterproof, or make your exterior more Mother Nature-proof, or make your driveway more protected, or make your deck look more barbecue-worthy, or make your curb appeal more curb-appealing. Whatever project is next on your list, Valspar makes all the products and tools to help you make more of it. Valspar, made for more. Available at Lowe's. The gorgeous Manitoba Becky is here. They call her the Wheat Queen in Brandon. And uh, lovely LaDonna Blackwood, good to see you. And uh, let's move on here. And uh, who do we got? Mark Rademacher, how are you? Digger Dog, thanks for coming on in as we are running out of time. Hi, Bobbert, how are you? And uh, who else we have here? Eric, the Purple Hobbit, how are you? Scott Jensen with a soft J. He prefers a soft J. Jensen. Going back to his European roots there. We got 30 seconds. Can we get this done? Grandmaster, a.k.a. Gong Show. Nice to see you. The Gorgeous Dirt Road. Good to have you here. Ruger Ridge, nice to see you. And uh, who else are we missing here? I think we may be caught up. We just may be caught up. Super Chat is open. Thank you to Thomas Fessler tonight for kicking that off. We really do appreciate it. And we're going to rock it out here, people. Let's do this thing. Horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Navy the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora, plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We have a great show planned for you tonight. Originally, we were going to have Geraldine Orozco from Bay Area Meditation for the Spiritual You. However, Geraldine came down sick right before showtime. She apologizes that she cannot be here, but she will be back next month, and she will be going at it hard, as she normally does on this show, opening us up to our zen, our chi, and all the woo that we can handle. So tonight, because the show must go on, I'm scrambling to find a guest. And who knocks at my door but none other than the host of World Bigfoot Radio, Super Duke Sullivan. Now, Duke has almost 20,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He is a major voice in the world of Sasquatch in the community, and he is somebody who really preaches some honest information about this creature, honest investigation, and really 
honest talk about it. He's not somebody who pulls punches. He's not somebody who will say, oh, this is flesh and blood, but he won't say it's supernatural as well. Why? Because in the end, he knows, and we all know, we know this creature has some really, really cool capabilities that, as humans, we're just not sure of. We can only speculate. Let's bring him on in, and in the background on our YouTube side, you're going to see Dirty Filth with his great art coming on once again as he draws another great photo for us. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, thank you so much, man, for coming on in and and jumping into the saddle here on very, very short notice. We appreciate you joining us for the show. Always a blast to be on here, and you know I was going to be on here later on tonight and do some report anyway, but... What the heck? I might as well just spend the whole show with Dave. I didn't even have time to put my buddy to sleep here. He's still with me. Oh, yeah. Sushi, the uh, yes. sushi, the bearded dragon here. You want to say hi? There you oh, go, bud. Love him. Love him. He's like, what? I'm on, I'm on screen right now, huh? <laughs> He's like, what, what the heck is this? Anyway, I'll put him back on my shoulder and he'll just fall asleep because that's pretty much where he was at already. Well, you know as well as I do, uh, Duke, and, and what we do with uh, live radio, sometimes uh, this happens with guests, and some, but the show must always go on. You know, we have an audience, we have radio stations that want to want a show, and we got to make sure that we're there for them. So I appreciate you uh, understanding that and coming on in. And uh, how you been doing? What, what's new in the Sasquatch world? Oh, there's lots of stuff going on. First of all, let me say hi to everybody in chat, and especially to Nicole. Nicole! <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That's like one of my nightmares. I actually uh, used to do radio shows and stuff, and uh, you know, fortunately, we were just uh, music DJs, and occasionally we'd do a little comedy breaks and stuff, so we didn't have to rely on guests being there. And that is every host's worst nightmare. You find out at the last minute you don't have a guest, and then you have to scramble because the show must go on. You got to have somebody on. There is something to talk about, hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I only do one show a week, and it's pre-recorded. So if they get sick or something, I got, I can get somebody else. I'll deal with it. Well, you, you know what the funny part about it is? This rarely happens to us. Rarely. You know, usually, mm -hmm. you, you know, sometimes you get a guest that will be just like, hey, you know, you just don't hear from me. At least you have like an hour or two to prepare. You know, and it's like, okay, that's plenty of time. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it is actually plenty of time to, to shift gears. And, uh, you know, this time, though, she she uh, had just woken up to my phone ringing. And uh, she didn't pick up. She started texting me. She's like, oh, my God, I just woke up. I, I have been puking for the last uh, three and a half hours. I don't know what I ate. And oh and, and, you know, Geraldine is extremely loyal to this show extremely loyal so if she is sick damn it uh she gets that benefit of the doubt that's for sure she totally yeah. does and i always look forward to her show every month and you know for the the benefit of the folks that listen exclusively on radio and have not been on the youtube channel and you should check it out you get to watch everything in the studio. Geraldine is very, very easy on the eyes. She is very easy to watch. <laughs> she is a very pretty lady. So that additional to her being interesting and scintillating guest and speaker, uh, she's real easy to look at. So you guys come on over and check out the uh, YouTube channel here at some point. Wow. I didn't expect that for you. A little crush there, Duke? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean yeah, just, just trying to drive some uh, traffic to your YouTube, Dave. 
<laughs> uh, I'm not lying either. She's cute. I, I think you have a crush. I really do. I think you just have <laughs> no. My yourself. heart. My heart belongs to Nicole. Oh yes, yes. Because she has the bright, the brightest uh, smile on the internet on on YouTube or any streaming platform. Yeah, but you know the thing about Nicole, I've seen that smile up close and personal, and so is Dirty Filth, and that smile is ten times better in person. Yep. I will say that Nicole has a gorgeous smile. Yeah, she rocks it. She <laughs> rocks it. I, I'm glad she's on Team Sor. That is very sure. Duke, for people who may not be familiar with your work, tell us a little bit about World Bigfoot Radio and how you got started with this. Well, uh, basically got started in 1972 when I had my first sighting and then uh, tried to ignore the whole thing until five years later when I had my second sighting, 1977. Then uh, it became apparent that uh, it wasn't that easy to ignore this phenomena, especially where I was living. So it behooved me to do additional research and find out what the heck it was that I was seeing and running into that apparently I couldn't even avoid by staying at home second encounter actually saw him right in the yard at the house so the staying out of the woods thing didn't work uh and so it's been ever since then that i've been trying to gather all the information that i possibly could on the subject and doing my own field research and you know traveling all over the country going to different places uh when i can afford to and not so much recently but uh i've been in uh minnesota wisconsin uh, florida texas wyoming montana Georgia, a bunch of states in between, brief stops to take a look around, but lived in and uh, researched all the ones on the list I just listed except for Georgia. Now I've been out here in Montana for about 12 years, and there's so many uh, uh, Sasquatch out here, it's kind of like ridiculous for me to bother to go anywhere else. (laughs) Why go to an area where there's less of them when I have more of them right here? Uh, When I first moved, I'm in Missoula, which is on the far western side of Montana. And when I first moved here, I was interested to see how many local sightings there were. So I started digging into the archives, and I put up a map of the Bitterroot Valley, Missoula, surrounding areas. And everywhere there was an encounter, put a red stick pin. And pretty soon, Missoula looked like the hub on a bicycle wheel with the red wheel going around it. And I went, well, apparently I'm in the right place. <laughs> There's been sightings in every direction from here since the 1970s. So it makes it extremely easy. Uh, I've been, I do a show once a week at least. Sometimes I uh, do an additional short show, too, on my channel, which is uh, YouTube and uh, BitChute, Bright Eon, Odyssey, and Rumble. You can find World Bigfoot Radio on all those. And additionally, I was on uh, TFR Live Radio for about a year doing a show over there, done lots of shows with other people. So I get around and uh, just recently went to Nebraska in April and got to co-headline a conference there with uh, Ron Moorhead, who's just always amazing, did a great presentation on the Sierra Sounds and talked about Quantum Bigfoot and whatnot. And uh, that one was a bit of a surprise for me because I was expecting to go do a conference and not go bigfooting and gather bigfoot evidence which is what ended up happening uh the uh, nebraska bigfoot museum is this large building that's got essentially an extra house inside of it that isn't even being used so the lady that owned it put a bunch of the guest speakers up there and it was me and robin mccray and christy sci-fi and uh apparently that was too many squatch magnets in one place at one time so they showed up 
And uh, I got to see one from about 30 feet away. Robin got to see a couple of them. Christy got to see a couple of them. And the last morning that we were uh, of the conference, I think it was Sunday morning, actually, it was after the conference, Christy was getting ready to leave and went out to her rental car, and they had left fingerprints on the windows. So we had to scramble and uh, take uh, <laughs> take copies off the window, pull the fingerprints off there, which are now on a glass plate in the Nebraska Bigfoot Museum. So if you stop by there, you can see what we found in the morning. Nice. But, uh, yeah, was not expecting and this may be the first time ever that Bigfoot evidence was gathered at a Bigfoot museum. Perfect. Hey, it couldn't have happened at a better place. I got to ask. Oh, my God. Duke, I got to ask you, when when you find fingerprints on a window like that, I mean, obviously that is extremely rare that, that, that something like that happens. But I'm curious regarding, you know, the fact that it did happen. I mean, how does all of a sudden, you know, you got a house full of Sasquatch researchers and all of a sudden Sasquatch comes up and puts fingerprints on the window of a car? I mean, to some people, that would seem a little bit too coincidental. Oh, it seems really coincidental to me, too, except for the fact that the uh, old Bigfoot Museum over there has notoriously had Bigfoot activity right at it. Apparently, uh, Harriet, the person that owns it, is another one that they like. So they come and check up on her every so often. And then you had Robin McRae there, and she's mind-speaking to him over there. And uh, I don't know. I mean, just the whole idea of them being in Nebraska, first of all, is bizarre because Nebraska's flat, doesn't have a whole lot of trees, mostly cornfields. And that's where the museum is outside of town. There's a stand of trees around it. But beyond that, it's pretty much surrounded by cornfields. So, like, how are they getting here? Where are they coming from? Well, there's the paranormal thing again. But as Rich Soul, who was just on my show last weekend, pointed out, there's massive karst systems all over Nebraska, and those are natural groundwater-created caves, huge, huge caves connected all over the state. And uh, they do have plenty of Bigfoot sightings there, too, uh, res squatching in the southeast corner of the state with Barry Webster and his team. Uh, they got, you know, they, there's Bigfoot living right there on the reservation. They can go out and uh, do research on them pretty regularly and do. So it was mind-blowing in one regard, but in other, you know, respects it kind of made sense. And I think the deciding factor really is that they do actually make connections with people that they like. And, of course, they like Robin. And she's busy mind-speaking to him while she's there, and so even more of them showed up. And I was sitting out outside with uh, Christy having a cigarette at about midnight. And it's uh, windy as heck. You, you know, it was like 40, 50 mile an hour wind, so you couldn't hear nothing. And she's seen two of them in the backyard moving. She could see their eye shine from where she was at. I was facing the opposite direction. So she just started talking to them. And apparently they said a couple things back to her that she could hear. I couldn't pick it up. Um, and then went back inside. And later on that night, I came out by myself about 2 o'clock to have a cigarette turned and looked back in their backyard and they got a, a huge uh, like Bigfoot peace garden back there. That's got all kinds of interpretive stuff and woods. And uh, we go back about 20, 30 feet and then the uh, new concrete walkway that they've got in there goes in both directions. And right there, there was something standing there about seven feet up in the air. I could see one of his eyes glinting as the light from the stars was catching it. And I'm like, okay, was not expecting to have a Bigfoot right there. And he tried to say something to me, but it was so noisy I couldn't hear what the hell he said. 
Um, so I just said hello, <laughs> finished my cigarette, and then said goodbye when I went back inside again. And when I got in, Robin goes, did you see that? And I'm like, see, what, what are you talking about? You know, play up, play all dumb. She goes, uh, when you went outside, I thought you were over on this side of the house. Were you on this side of the house? And I'm like, no. And she goes, because I saw huge legs go by the window heading over there toward the patio where you're smoking cigarettes. I'm like, well, yeah. Well, yeah let me tell you what just happened. <laughs> Apparently, he was standing right at the intersection to the walkways in the back there watching me because you saw him walk over there when I went out to have my cigarette. That wasn't me. I didn't go up back into the garden at all. Wow. So, yes, there was lots of activity there. I was incredibly surprised. And finding fingerprints on windows is really rare. And the only reason we noticed it is because that car was parked with its butt toward the direction the wind was coming from. And when they were walking around touching the windows, uh, leaving their greasy fingerprints on it, you couldn't immediately see it. Robin came out in the morning and took the car to go to Walmart and back. And when she got back with it is when she noticed them on there. And why didn't she notice them before? Well, before they didn't have any dirt on them because of the way the wind was blowing. But all the way to Walmart, about a half a mile, there's open field with wind blowing 40 miles an hour and blowing all this light dust on one side of the car. And then all the way back, same thing. So it was just like a detective that takes like talcum powder and puts it on a fingerprint to get the image. And then you lift it off with tape, except we got it done by free for free by the wind and uh, the, the light dust that it was blowing on the cars it was going both directions and they had left uh, part of a uh, part of a handprint on both the rear windows on the right and left side and if I remember right I think they had one on the back window too holy cow how big was this hand you couldn't see the whole hand all you could see was the end of the fingers like the last couple joints of them and they were about twice as thick as a human's finger so I'm guessing they were, again, some of the kids basically uh, running around there. They're the ones that do stuff like that. And then the adults are too smart generally. <laughs> they have uh, this, this is reported by all the researchers that they have this really kind of the greasy, I guess, basically is the way to say it. Whenever they touch something, they tend to leave this kind of greasy residue on it. And um, I've talked to people that do like winter survival and stuff like that. And some of them will actually cover themselves with uh, – Vaseline because it's an additional layer of protectant against the cold and it keeps them more insulated. They don't freeze as easily. So it could be that that's one of the natural things that they developed from living in some of these colder climates where they got that greasy skin and it, it helps insulate them. And, but it also leaves greasy fingerprints on things. And Rich Soul that I just had on last weekend, he has found greasy fingerprints on his vehicle when he was at the res doing res squatching. And I've had a, a couple of my other friends that have uh, managed to have that happen, too. So, you know, they'll come over and examine a vehicle. William Lunsford, they came over and messed with his. Like, they, there was food in it, and they were considering if they were going to get into it and get the food or not. And when he was leaning down to look in the front window, I put his hand on the, the window and left fingerprints on there. So this kind of stuff does happen, but it's really rare. And I was not, not at all expecting there was going to be activity at a Bigfoot museum in freaking nebraska <laughs> oh man you know what when you got you and robin were say, mentioning that story to me i gotta tell you i was hit with pure jealousy pure jealousy you know i mean there is something eerie when you are being tracked or watched by a bigfoot I've only had it happen once, and this was on the farm where I saw 
my the pixelation and the two creatures back in 2013 and we there were times when my buddy would be uh working nights and because the farm was way out in the middle of nowhere if something strange happened you know uh he would call me up and say hey the my lady has some uh problems going up on the farm do you uh can you go check it out well they had this small little two bedroom cabin type house on 10 acres so you can imagine this small two-bedroom house right in the front okay of this 10 acres right (laughs) and all of a sudden it's about one o'clock in the morning i'm sleeping and my phone rings and it's her and she's like i'm hearing grunting and huffing around the house and and there's been knocking on the walls outside i'm really scared can you race over here sure so i hop in my vehicle and and like it's all windy road the whole way there man but i'm still doing like like 50 over the speed limit to try and get there i literally right off their driveway right onto their grass high beams like through the trees can't see anything she's like you were about four minutes late it was like it knew you were coming and i'm like okay so we st- i stayed there for a little bit to calm her down and and you know make sure the kids didn't wake up and all this kind of stuff and they had these these little ponds on the outside and dude we were all of a sudden you know standing on their patio kind of walking around cuz they had this big open uh lawn area before you got to the trees and we were hearing what sounded like like somebody taking a 2 by 4 to these ponds now we're up on top of a mountain, dude. There is no beavers, okay? There, there is nothing around. It's just it, it literally sounded like something. You know, when you take a, a big stick and it goes whap, that really high pitched sound when you slap the water. And this mm-hmm. was going on, man. And we were like, "You got to be kidding me right now! You got to be kidding me!" And this happened a couple of times, man. And but it's trippy when you are uh, are get that feeling like they're watching you, Duke. Minwax knows that when your client wants something specific, you want to give it to them. So stop by Lowe's and get some Minwax. Limitless premium colors? Minwax has them. Professional results? Guaranteed. So you can give clients beautiful wood floors, cabinets, trim. I could keep going, but I'm out of time. Keep on finishing with Minwax, America's number one selling brand of interior stains and clears. Available at Lowe's. Click the banner to learn more. Blue Diamond Honey Roasted Almonds are my love language. Sweet, salty, irresistible. But the crunchy and tangy salt and vinegar also give me the feels. The choice is hard with flavors so good. Blue Diamond Almonds. Super flavor, all on a superfood. It's freaky as we got about two and a half minutes left. <laughs> yeah, it's a constant. No, what's uh what gets to be scary is after you you've been doing it for a long time and you've got them, you know, hanging out very close to you and they basically trust you and then here's the part that all the researchers forget. Well, you're researching them, they're researching you. And if they decide they like you, they'll keep an eye on you all the time whether you like it or not. <laughs> and practically every time you walk in the woods, it's even remotely conceivable that they could be there. They'll be there. Well, I think too, Duke, I mean, do they not like patterns? 
Oh, absolutely. That's one thing that they thrive on is boring regularity. And that's one of the things you should always strive for if you've got a research area and you're habituating to presence is try and do things the same as much as possible. Show up at the same time of day, be playing the same music on your vehicle, you know, wear similar or same clothes, have the same tent, uh, boring monotony and regularity. They thrive on that. That's when you start mixing things up and making it confusing and too much to pay attention to. They just go, no, I'm out. What's going on here? There's three new people I don't recognize. They're, they're all making weird noise. You know, while we're playing music. <laughs> that's something we rarely do. And the other thing that's strange is the only times we've gotten reactions from them from playing music is when it's like either really silly songs or, I don't know, like ancient sounding music. Like one of the, the dwarf songs from The Lord of the Rings. I love that one. For some reason and then there's a couple other songs that we play that they seem to like that we get response from but other than that we hardly even ever play any music up there or anything we're just boring sit by the campfire tell stories make jokes see uh, we, you know. we were doing that on saturday night as we got about mm-hmm. 30 seconds left we were doing that saturday night and you know it wasn't until about five minutes dude before we uh kicked over our fire and and put it out that we actually started getting action and when i say action it wasn't much you know we heard a couple of um, my buddy mike heard a couple of deep breaths you know we heard a couple of sticks uh snapping in the forest but we didn't see any eye shine no smell no nothing but it still made for a weird weird awesome night super duke radio is here yeah duke sullivan from world bigfoot radio hanging out with us talking Sasquatch all night long. We love it when Super Duke is here. He's got his bearded dragon sushi on his shoulder while we do this chat. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. The mighty sushi. My guard dragon. I love it. I love it. I'll go put him to bed and uh, grab a quick couple puffs off a cigarette, and I'll be back. All right, buddy. I got something for you when you come back I think you're going to find interesting. I got to feed the cat some snacks. All right. All right. There goes uh, Dirty Filth as well. I'll just hang here, guys. I'll hold the fort down. actually kind of cool i can use that now you don't know where i am for all you know i'm not here right now I don't even know what I'm humming. Fine. Oh, this silly thing. 
All right, let's go this way. Trying to change the picture for tonight's show on the YouTube channel, and I'm going to do it the hard way. You dirty jerk. Edit. And let's change picture. I don't want to copy the video link. How did I do this last time? Hmm. 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 That's not going to work. We'll just, we'll save it for later. To heck with it. Restore belief of the soul. Welcome to Spaced Out Radio, otherwise known as Nikki. Nikki? Nikki? By the way, uh, Taco Bell announcing that because of the popularity that they underestimated of the Mexican pizza, they are sold out, they are getting more ingredients, and will never be removing it from their menu again. That was announced on Twitter. And if it's on Twitter, you got to believe it. Hi, lovely Lara. Dave, take out your pan flute and deliver us a ditty. No, but my son literally kicked ass tonight at his guitar lesson uh, playing Sad But True by Metallica. Oh, God, If I, I wish I would have record, recorded it. I had my dad watching on uh, FaceTime. I wish I would have recorded it. Mmm, mmm. Raz puts sardines on his pizza. Ew. Ew. Mmm. I am in full disgust of each and every one of you who has the ability to just go to Taco Bell on a whim. You have no idea pain. Oh, Kelly Schultz is here. Hello, Dave Scott. Brief check-in. We're trying, Zen One. We're trying. Hey, Dirty Filth. Uh, Zen One wants Travis Taylor from Skinwalker Ranch. You got some pull around there. Go get it, buddy. Want to say a big thank you to Bigfoot Rob, Jan, the gorgeous Jan, Cat Chaser, and Thomas for the great super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And a big thank you to Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio for filling in for the ailing Geraldine Roscoe tonight. Uh, Duke is going to bring our Zen and our Chi tonight. I count on it. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, we're going to get going here in three seconds.
Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate you tuning us on in. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. Normally we have Geraldine Orozco on for the spiritual you. However, she is ailing tonight. So we shifted on the fly. Bringing in Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, coming on in and talking all things Sasquatch. Tonight, you could go to his channel on YouTube, BitChute, and many other video streaming services where he is live, and he is one of the most popular dudes doing it today. Super Duke, welcome back. Always a blast to be here with you, Dave. Hey, everybody in chat. Hey, everybody listening out in terrestrial listener land. And to all of you in extraterrestrial listener land and you other guys that shouldn't even be paying attention. Hey. Very true. Very true. Hey, Duke, do you remember that story a couple years ago of that little three-year-old in North Carolina who went missing in the middle of January and was gone for two days and said a big teddy bear was taking care of him while he was gone. And he was found in a briar patch with no scratches, no nothing, no hypothermia, nothing wrong with him. Do you remember that story? Yep. Well, I don't know if you heard this one, and I wanted to talk to you about it, because this happened right near back door of Montana. So rescuers found, I'm going to read the story from NBC News. Rescuers found a hungry, thirsty, and cold little boy Sunday after he had gone missing two days earlier near his home in Montana. Riker Webb, four years old, though was in otherwise good shape after his harrowing adventure in northwest Montana. The boy was reported missing Friday afternoon near mile marker 18 of State Highway 56, south of Troy and east of Bull Lake, according to the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office. The Sheriff's Office uh, said search efforts using helicopters and drones were hampered over the weekend by very poor weather conditions, which consisted of rain, low visibility, and a low ceiling. But Riker was found Sunday afternoon near Pine Ridge Road and South Fork Bull River Road in Sanders County, about two and a half miles from where he went missing, a sheriff's dispatcher said. The little boy was in good spirits, apparently healthy, Although hungry, thirsty, and cold, the temperature fell to the low 40s in Missoula on Saturday with a quarter inch of rain hitting the ground. He was taken to Cabinet Peaks Medical Center for evaluation. Now, to me, this story, and I'm not trying to, you know, put two and two together to make four here, but this story sounds eerily familiar, except without... The big teddy bear kept me warm. Yeah. The thing that occurs to me immediately is how did this kid go missing in the location that they mentioned? Because that's like the middle of nowhere. How How is he there and somehow wander away from his parents? That's red flag number one. 
uh yeah the the conditions over the weekend were horrible we had a nice hailstorm here yesterday with hail the size of marbles so you know if you're a kid out in the woods uh and that's further north and west of where i am conditions are likely uh, equally bad or worse where he was at so that would be pretty pretty rough um temperature wise it's amazing the kid didn't uh get hypothermia again we don't know how well dressed he was we don't know what kind of clothing he had on we haven't heard anything from the kid as to where he was what happened two days just wandering around out in the bush though you know there's a good chance some kind of predator or something would have found him as far as the little kid with the magic bear report from over there on the east coast that was um, hilariously ludicrous that they were th- saying that it was a bear that protected him because you know a bear wakes up in the middle of the winter they're only awake for two reasons one is to go defecate and the other one is because they're hungry and they want to eat something they're not going to take a kid in as anything other than a snack and the second thing is they are searched that area where they found the kid in the briar patch as you put it uh several times he wasn't there uh when the big teddy bear brought him back it put him in that briar patch right near where the humans were for two reasons one it's right near where the humans are and secondly predators won't go into the briar patch in order to get the kid they know that so that's why they put him there so that was a bigfoot no doubt in my mind plus if you want to also add an additional factor there hadn't been a black bear sighted in that county in over 30 years because there's no bears there so there was no magic bear taking care of that kid. That was just ridiculous and ludicrous on the face of it. But as far as this report here in Montana, there's been several reports of, you know, kids going missing and then being found again a, a couple days later. And none of the information on any of the other details ever gets leaked out, which is curious in and of itself. And now I know of a report from the other side of the mountain from me from about a month ago where one neighbor had two dogs got uh, killed one of them was stuck on a tree branch and the other uh about two miles away from there uh this eight-year-old kid left at home by himself just disappeared they don't know where he went and i don't know if they found him or not but uh they didn't seem to have any idea where he went to Uh, there wasn't anybody else there he was just there by himself until one of the adults got back again, presumably in an hour or so. And uh, when they got back, he just wasn't there. This story, though, of this little boy, I mean, in looking at his uh, photo, uh, you know, his socks were a little bit torn on the toes. It looked like he was wearing a a fleece one-piece pajama set with, a, with his red coat on. His, his eyes were very bright. I mean, you know, he was, you know, obviously cold and a little shaken up. But, I mean, it's nothing for a young kid over 48 hours to go 2.4 miles. And we hear reports of, of two toddlers, two to four years old, being found wandering like 15, 16 miles away. And their shoes were found back near base camp. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we've heard those stories, but 2.4 miles really isn't that far for a child to wander over two days. I mean, but it does make you wonder, where did the child sleep? How did it stay warm? How did the boy stay warm at night? 
you know, children, when they miss their mommy and daddy, that's a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming. How did that not attract any predators? You have grizzly bears there. You have black bears. You have um, you have mountain lions. You have wolves and coyotes that are not very friendly to smaller human species. Okay, And wolverines, too. Wolverines. They'll take down a polar bear. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So... I, I'm curious, Duke. I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here and say this was Sasquatch protecting this boy, okay? But to me, there's just something very, very unique, especially when you blend it with that story in North Carolina. Yep. Again, how how old was this kid, Dave? Four. Four years old, about the same age again. Yeah, you know, they're not very able to fend for themselves or make rational, good adult decisions at four, generally, unless the kid is a super genius. The other thing that occurs to me is even if you've got him in nice, insulated clothing, which would keep him warm in the temperatures he was experiencing outside, it was precipitating. Like, there was a lot of rain coming down and cold. So hypothermia, yeah, I mean, unless the kid had rain-resistant everything, he should have been soaked to the bone and freezing, especially by the second day. Um, so it's, it is peculiar indeed. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm showing a picture on YouTube for our radio audience of the little boy. As you can see, he, he doesn't have his shoes on. They've obviously been pulled off by rescuers. And this picture is taken in the back of an ambulance where the little boy seems so happy, a little unsure of what's going on, but pretty happy to be back around people. And, you know, they got him all hooked up to monitors and, and everything. He's wearing a one-piece fleece, uh, looks like pajamas that are not ripped. He's got a big red, uh, it looks a little bit thicker than a hoodie, but it's almost hoodie style zip up. And I mean, uh, there's another thing, Duke, this kid wearing a red hoodie in the middle of the forest. I mean, that's like the, the Kmart blue light special for wild animals, man. Well, for animals that can see red, more importantly, for anybody that's running a drone or looking for the kid, he's got red on. I mean, what more beneficial color could you possibly ask for him to be wearing to make it easy for him to be found? There's no red in the woods this time of the year. It's it's been raining so much, it's all Kelly green over here. There's no red. You see anything that's red, it's the kid. Well, yeah, okay, they're probably having problems with their drones because of all the rain and everything. But, I mean, you know... Did they have people on foot looking for him? Because it, it wouldn't seem like it would have been that difficult. But here's the other thing, Duke. He was found 2.4 miles away. That's not a lot of territory for a group of searchers. Because usually, you know, it's one thing when an adult goes missing. But when a child goes missing, Duke, everybody and their dog shows up for a child. We got to find that that child. So if you think, let's say at minimum 40 people to maybe 100, 200 people, 2.4 miles is nothing. And they're going to be going in all directions in a 360 circle looking for this boy. You can can definitely go over 2.4 miles in one day in your search. Yep. 
The other thing I should point out is that here in Montana, we are the animal attack capital of the continent. People get attacked by predatory animals here more than they even do in Alaska. And consequently, we have great search and rescue teams. We have the best. And somehow they're having problems finding this little guy with a red jacket. <laughs> Does not compute. This little boy is probably going to take the safest route. He's not going to be climbing over big rocks. He's not going to be climbing over trees. Okay, he's lost. He's scared. He's going to be maintaining some sort of path. Okay, that's just human nature. I'm just... Something about this is just bugging me and... Smells wrong. Yeah, the other mention is, where's the dogs? Where's the tracking dogs? Did they mention dogs? No, the story did not mention any dogs. This story... Whether it's a girl's night out or a night in with sprinkles, the refreshing taste of Kim Crawford makes any moment amazing. Available in Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. Buy Kim Crawford at orderkimcrawford.com. Make it amazing. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California, USA. Blue Diamond Honey Roasted Almonds are my love language. Sweet, salty, irresistible. But the crunchy and tangy salt and vinegar also give me the feels. The choice is hard with flavors so good. Blue Diamond Almonds. Super flavor, all on a superfood. ...that has come out is actually very vague about it. Uh-huh. I'm going to try and find another... Uh, because that's the usual, typical thing here. As soon as somebody goes missing, they bring in the dogs and track them. Because the dog can follow their scent trail. And even in wet conditions where it's raining off and on, with a kid being there that recently, they should have been able to find a scent trail. The only time tracking dogs won't follow a scent trail is when they smell something else there that will eat them. Like Bigfoot. They won't track Bigfoot. <laughs> they lay down and look at their owner like, are you nuts? Forget it. I'm not going there. Well, I'm gonna. This is a local a local channel here, a local twelve channel from Lincoln County, uh, and I'm just going through this. Uh, they said he was playing with the family dog in the. Uh, okay, here we go, Duke. He was playing with the family dog in the yard outside the home when he disappeared. Dozens of people turned out. So look, remember I said at minimum forty people. Well, yep. looking at this picture, there's about 60 adults and, and people looking for them, okay, including Montana Air National Guard. So let's read this different story here. This is one's, this one's out of Montana. A four-year-old boy missing in a remote area in Montana for two days was found alive and well. Police said Riker Webb was seen last Friday. He was playing with the family dog in the yard outside the home when he disappeared. Dozens of people helped in the search around the Bull Lake area. Searchers used ATVs, drones, dog teams, and a boat to look for him on Friday. On Saturday, Montana National Air, uh, Air National Guard helicopters joined the effort to find him. Rough weather conditions, including rain and low visibility, hampered that search. Temperatures dipped into the low 40s in the area, according to the Sheriff's Office. The Lincoln County Sheriff's Office said Riker was found on Sunday, about 2.4 miles from where he went missing. Authorities say he was in good spirits, but hungry, thirsty, and cold. The boy was taken to hospital to get checked out, but was expected to be okay. So let's look at this for a second. There's a little bit new information here. We have dogs, 
and dog teams, we have the minimum of 40 people, probably closer to 60 in that photo, if we counted, looking for this kid. 2.4 miles, Duke, and taken out of his yard with the, while playing with the dog. Much the same of what happened to that boy in North, North Carolina who was playing, uh, running around with, with his uh, sibling and the dog when he went missing and then found two days later. Mm-hmm. Way too many coincidences here, Duke. Way too many coincidences. I totally agree. And the dog thing is very telling, too. Like I said, we've got some of the best dog search teams, and that's for live people and for cadaver dogs that find your corpse after something mangles you because you start smelling bad. They've got two different kinds of dog teams trained out here, multiples of them. And if they couldn't find a scent trail, that kid on the ground tells me he wasn't on the ground. Some picked him up and walked off with him. But why wouldn't the family dog, okay, like, you know, and and this is such a naive question because everybody's dogs are different. I mean, I have dogs, I have one dog where you could throw a treat at him and he literally looks at you while it bounces off his face, okay? Whereas my other dog, you know, he, he catches everything, you know, I mean, dogs have their own personality and maybe, maybe it was just a happy-go-lucky, lazy-fair type dog. But you would think that if the boy just went missing, there had to be a story about that dog. Yeah, I'd like to know what kind of condition they found the dog in. They don't mention that. And uh, the almost universal reaction from dogs to Sasquatch is they're absolutely terrified of them. Tracking dogs won't track them. Regular dogs want to hide from them. Uh, You know, there's some rare situations where they're hanging around somebody's house for years and years, and there's a dog there for years and years, and they get to the point where they actually like the dog, and people have seen them actually pet dogs and stuff. But their usual response to dogs is they don't like them, and uh, all they have to do is growl at one or something, and it's going to back off and run away and try and hide. So I can see them easily getting the kid away from the dog, no matter how loyal it was. They'll run away from their masters, you know, if they're Sasquatch, their dog's running the other direction faster than you. Uh, <clears throat> so that doesn't surprise me. It, was, it would be interesting to know what kind of condition the dog was in if it was showing any unusual behavior after the little kid disappeared. Well, there's a lot of unanswered questions. I, I would love for someone in the Sasquatch community to come in and really take a look at this story because... I think there's more here, Duke. I am fully convinced, and thank you in our chat room to in the studio who actually counted the amount of people in that search photo at 72 people. At 72 people. There you go. So, I mean, 72 people can cover 2.4 miles of trails. That boy, from at least half a mile out, would have been hearing them call for him. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you know, if they if you disappeared off the yard, they don't have to go very far to start. They start right where you disappeared, and they start working their way outward. And as they're going, they're yelling, and the kid can probably hear them if they're within a quarter mile of them or a couple hundred yards, at the, you know, very furthest. They're adults, they're yelling. How loud is it? And there wasn't that much wind going on to cover up their sound. It was just a lot of rain. I guess I could cover it up, but you know, again, uh, typical search patterns and the amount of people that they had there to take a look around. Plus the dogs. That's the thing. 
you know, when at whatever point the kid left the yard, the dog should have been able to pick up his scent and just follow him. You know, the last time we had a report like that here was uh, George Alex Bowman, who disappeared from Ambrose Creek Saddle when he was up there making firewood. And somebody went up there and found his abandoned truck and all of his equipment and everything just sitting there. And he was gone. So they brought in helicopters, search dog teams, all kinds of search and rescue teams. They spent two weeks looking for this guy, and they could not find him. Then about two weeks later, one of the local law enforcement in their day off went there with cadaver dogs to take a look around the area, and they found his remains about two miles away from his abandoned truck, ripped to pieces, spread over about 40 feet on a steeply wooded hillside. Right. So the question then is, what picked him up and walked away from the truck with this 200-plus pound adult male with no signs of a struggle, didn't steal anything, there wasn't one drop of blood on the ground, and there was no scent for the dogs to trail, at least none that they'd follow. I don't know. Digger Dog brings up a good comment here. Dave, realize little ones don't walk in straight lines in the forest. Oh, as a parent, I fully understand that, and I can appreciate that. You know, but I've watched my son, and I've watched a lot of other kids that will run rambunctious wherever they want to go. But I think when you add in fear of being alone, I think, and maybe I'm wrong, and please correct me if I'm wrong, and I could be 100% wrong here, okay? I think, though, that the child being lost in the forest can't find mummy and daddy or or the puppy or the the family dog or whatever i think that child is going to stay on a a trail that is big enough for it to go because if it goes sauntering off there's a better chance that child is going to be attacked too well i don't know i mean this you you're you have to guess at how smart this kid is, basically. How, how much does he know? And four-year-olds, uh, there can be some pretty smart ones out there. But in general, the kid is small. So there's areas he's not going to be able to walk into just because he's not big enough to get into them. Yes. You know, if, going up really steep hills, going through swamps, things like that. But I, man, Sorry for cutting you off, but I want to add this, though. I live in an area where we are very, very aware of wild animals. My son, mm-hmm. since the minute we moved up here, he knew that there was, you know, he couldn't go out of mom and dad's sight because of bears, because of mountain lions that come right through our yard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would assume that this boy, if he lives in a, in a rural area, would have been taught being bear aware because, let's face it, when you live in an area that has wild game, running through your own property and it could be something as deer or fox or coyotes or something bigger. You're going to teach your children to be very aware of the animals that are around. Mm -hmm. And, And like, I look at the parents around my area. Okay. Where at least once, twice a year, the school gets locked down because there's mountain lions seen nearby. Okay, this is where I live, man. I'm going to assume in this type of area, we're we're doing the same thing. Absolutely, and it's much the same here, even in 
Missoula. I don't know if I ever brought this up, but there was a bit of a row while the uh, university borders right onto the edge of Mount Sentinel. And there's deer wandering around the university grazing on the grass all the time. And at one point, a mountain lion decided one of the deer was an easy target. And as kids are walking from building to building between classes, there's a mountain lion annihilating a deer Beautiful. and dragging it across the crowds and over a fence and up the mountain. So that kind of stuff happens. But where this little kid was at, that's grizzly land up there. You got there's 1,000-pound right. grizzlies. Hold that thought, Super Duke, from World Bigfoot Radio, Duke Sullivan. Here filling in for the ailing Geraldine Orozco tonight. He's finding our Zen and Chi of the Forest while talking Sasquatch with us. We got Super Duke for a little while longer because we got him for the next hour. We'll take your questions and then he'll be here for hour three for the Cryptid Report. It's all Dookie Radio tonight. All Duked Dookie. out radio. <laughs> Duked out radio. Michael Fontaine, how you doing? I'm just going to step away for a minute, guys. I'm going to put it, uh, the cartoon up for uh, Dirty Filth so that way people can uh, see what he's doing. And I'll be right back. Are you there, Super Duke? Left being abandoned once again. Well, I guess we got a couple minutes here to fill up, so basically I'm drawing Dave's first black triangle encounter. With as much artist it's a vicious dogman inside, with as much artist interpretation as possible. So Dave and Carl see the black triangle, and that's the drawing. So That would be a good time for everybody to go for your washroom breaks and refill your glasses of Earl Grey hot. Just like Captain Picard likes. Oh boy. So I'm just filling in the last little bit of the, the grass here and then once that's all done I'll do the trees. And then a little bit of the mountaintops needs some color in them as well, so we'll give them new color. Probably 20 minutes to ink ink the entire thing. That's my favorite part, except for the, the writing. I can't actually see the chat room, by the way, because my computer's on the other side, so. Too bad for you guys. Sweating bullets waiting for Dave to show back up here and take over this stuff. But nonetheless, I think I should try to plug Space Out Radio best if you can. Go to Space Out Radio or all the other places where you usually know where it all is and um, make sure that... Uh, Make sure you donate to your local shelter.
Not quite satisfied with it, but it'll be good for now. <clears throat> Normally I got some music playing, but I don't hear anything except for, well, nothing. All right, this is the top of the mountains. The mountains aren't actually gray because everything else is a dark color. That's what I got to go with. But Dave's going to come back, and he's not even going to put himself in the chat. Just watch me squirt him for a bit. Okay. And this outline around this stuff. Cut this out, stick it in a fancy frame, and send it to people. They buy them for $9 million a shot. Cash. But, uh, yes. Anyways, that's all done. We'll go to the trees. I think Dave's taking extra while. That's all right. I'm covered. Color the trees a little bit. Darker trees. These are coniferous. Way up in the north, a million miles above dirty filth, I live in the flatlands. That's where all the dinosaurs died. Do the trees, and once the trees are done with a little light coloring, that's the last one. Looking Bush. good, looking good, dirty filth. Yeah, I, I'm coloring in the bush, Dave. More bush, the better. Right on. Hi, let's go, Marrow. Me roving in. How are you? Welcome to SOR chat. And a little hiccup. I can't there. actually see the chat room, by the way. I can. I mentioned that to everybody. I can't because my computer's behind me. Hey, filth. Guess what? Chicken butt. Rich Hilkey is in the chat room. Rich Hilkey. Rich Hilkey. Yeah. What's he doing? I don't know. He's just here. Is he wearing his favorite shirt tonight or what? I think Rich Hilkey is wearing his favorite shirt tonight. Jazzy Small has just arrived. All right. Um, looking good. I think people are really loving the art there, uh, Filth. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I enjoy doing it, so... Good. Everybody's happy. How about that? <laughs> All right. Big thank you to the Super Chatters tonight. We are going to get going here momentarily. Hold on. I'm going back to mute, Dave, so I can swear at leisure. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. 
Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Renarian. Renarian is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with World Bigfoot Radio's Duke Sullivan. He comes in, reads our cryptid reports, but we got him tonight filling in for an ailing Geraldine Orozco who could not make it for her monthly edition of The Spiritual You. So, Duke, we welcome you back now, my man. Thank you for joining us. We'll get you on. on Glad glad to be here. There you go. Thought you were going to unmute there. I really did. Right before the break, the last half hour, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we were talking about a four-year-old boy in Montana this past weekend who went missing on a Friday, was found 2.4 miles from his home on Sunday. There were over 70 uh, search and rescue uh, looking for him, along with, on Sunday, the Air National Guard from Montana who brought in helicopters who were unfortunately grounded due to weather conditions. But the fact is, on the Friday and Saturday, Duke, they were able to get up drones. This young boy was wearing a one-piece uh, set of pajamas, uh, socks with, you know, that were a little worn out, and a bright red jacket. And I, I'm, it just so is reminiscent to that North Carolina story a couple years ago where that three-year-old boy went missing for two days was playing out in his yard just like this young boy was with his dog and then poof vanishes and Mm. that little boy in north carolina as a refresher to our listeners just coming on in said that a big black teddy bear had taken care of him for two days before he was found and we fast forward to this one there is no mention if this boy was alone or if there was something cryptid that was taking care of him. But what we do know is he wasn't injured. He wasn't hurt. He had no scratches on him. He had, you know, he was a little hungry, a little thirsty, a little cold. But that is all very, very easy to fix. But on a on a, on nights like you were saying, where the weather in that area was very, you know, it was very damp, it was very moist, that's going to get into the boys' clothing. I mean, Duke, things just aren't adding up for me, man. Things aren't adding up. What do you think, in, in your professional opinion, in knowing the crypt... Blue Diamond Honey Roasted Almonds are my love language. Sweet, salty, irresistible. But the crunchy and tangy salt and vinegar also give me the feels. The choice is hard with flavors so good. Blue Diamond Almonds. Super flavor, all on a superfood. Thank a teacher. Amaze a neighbor. Surprise your bestie. Just say, happy any day. Share the love with choice multi-store gift cards. Available now at giftcards.com. Did the world the way you do. What do you think happened? 
Well, I think there's a chance that he got picked up by a curious Sasquatch and played with for a couple of days and then let go again. This kind of stuff does happen, but generally it's because the uh, there's no adult supervision. And that makes sense with the story, too. The kid was out by himself playing with a dog. And Robin's done reads where she's actually mind-spoke with the Sasquatch that were involved in this. And in one case, he was explaining to her, hey, I was out in the woods, as usual, and here's this little kid walking around. No adults, no pets, no nothing. If I leave him wander around, something will eat him. So I took him with me until we could figure out where he belonged, which took apparently two or three days, and they figured out which house he had been near, and they brought him over there and left him, and they did the same thing. They put him in a, a thicket you know, that had, uh, like, needles <laughs> so predators won't go in it and grab them until the humans hear him and find him because he's nearby so that's just part of their mo apparently and sometimes they try and keep the kid and uh you know human children can't survive the kind of weather and conditions they can very well so if they've got a cave they can keep them in or something the kids generally fine they'll keep them dry and generally warm and they'll feed them berries and stuff like that that they can eat and, until they figure out what to do with them in some of these cases, I think that something else actually grabbed the kids and they got intercepted and the Sasquatch brought them back. So do you think then that there was, I, mean, I don't want to use the word nefarious, but do you think that there was something a little bit more that maybe we're not being told to this? Well, it does seem on the face of it really suspicious, especially the part with the dogs not being able to find a trail. I mean, come on. Those of us that know better, know better. That's like kind of ridiculous. Yeah, it was raining a little bit. He was right at his house. Parents have articles of clothing the kid had worn so the dogs can get a scent. Here, doggy, follow the scent. So what if it was raining a little bit? Fresh scent. Not buying it. What if this child walked into a portal? Well, there's another weird option. I mean, there's all kinds of weird options that potentially could have happened to him, and unless we can get him to give us some kind of an account, which is unlikely to be forthcoming, we may never know. I mean, look at the kid over there uh, on the East Coast that had the magic bear protect him. It's been quite a while since then. We haven't heard anything out of him, have we? No, no, but that, I believe, is still an open case. Well, you, you know, at the point where they already recovered the child, they sort of have less interest <laughs> at that, you know, and the longer ongoing it is with no resolution, the less interest they tend to have in it. Like, look, happy resolution. The kid was found. He's okay. So it's all academic as to what actually took him and whatnot. No, very true. Very true. We're with uh, World Bigfoot Radio's Duke Sullivan tonight. And we're talking about a four-year-old boy who went missing over this past weekend in the state of Montana. Now, Duke, I only want to spend a couple more minutes on this, and then we will move on. And if there's any audience questions in our YouTube chat, we will take those questions as well. But for people who don't know the wilderness of Montana... Montana is much like where I am in British Columbia. There are a lot of animals around there, man, that want to that don't like humans and don't like humans treading on their territory. Tell us how dangerous the forests of Montana can be. Well, as I mentioned previously, it's the animal attack capital of North America, even surpassing Alaska. 
Um, if we do have uh, very large grizzlies here, there's been several of them that have been tagged that are over a thousand pounds. Uh, we've got very huge uh, mountain lions here, plentiful supply of them. And then smaller predators, you know, you can get mauled by a badger or ripped apart by a wolverine too. So there's those wonderful options. Oh, and wolves. <laughs> so, yeah, it's dangerous in general. And then the terrain is unforgiving. The conditions tend to be unforgiving. Uh, my research area at 7,000 feet, even if you're up there in August, the temperature at night can drop down to 20 degrees. So, you know, if you're not prepared for that, bye-bye. Uh, you're freezing to death now. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's it's easy to get lost. It's a gigantic area, Western Montana especially. It's all mountains and forests. There's not a whole lot of flatland in it except for the Flathead Valley. The rest of it's mostly mountains and forests, and national parks, and national forests, and state parks and forests. And they all kind of mysteriously connect down the whole Rocky Mountain chain. My research area is right between two huge national forests. They actually like meet right at that spot in the middle of the mountain range. So <clears throat> a lot of the land here, people don't live on it. It's just gigantic open, you know, you could stand on top of a mountain and look 40, 50 miles away. And there's like one road in between you and what you're looking at. The rest of it's all mountains and forest. You know, if you have some kind of a problem, you're probably not going to make it back out again. In addition to all the predators and stuff, like I said, really rough terrain, lots of mountains, 52 mountain ranges, 24 million acres of forest. So, you know, it's a great, it's a great place. If you want to go disappear, this and Alaska are the two best choices. You can go wander out in the middle of nowhere and disappear. Question coming from Marty in our chat room. Duke, why does Sasquatch not like dogs? Yeah, we've been wondering about that for a long time. And, you know, it seems to be that they can actually be friendly with them. The ones that they don't like seem to be the aggressive, loud, barking ones. And it's because they like to be stealthy and sneak up. And dogs have really great senses, and including their smell. And, uh, you know, when one of these guys is around, they catch a whiff of them. They tend to go uh, completely nuts because they're terrified of them to start with. And then uh, the Sasquatch don't like them because that's uh, our burglar alarm system going way back to the olden days. That was what we had around the camp to let us know something was prowling around. So it give, blows their uh, their cover and gives their position away. They don't much care for that. And then the aggressive dogs will run into the woods and try and bite them and stuff like that. So uh, those are the ones that end up getting swatted and killed, basically. Okay, so... I, and I can understand that. I mean, let's face it, Sasquatch can very much be like that old crazy man in your subdivision who's yelling, get off my lawn! You know, they, yep. could, to they could totally be like that. And dogs would be like, hey, what are you? 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 You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't think that's what the dogs are doing, though. They instinctively know what this thing is. When they catch a smell of it, they freak out. And they usually want to go hide under the house or in the house or under between your legs. If you're out there, they'll cower between your legs like you're going to do anything to save them. <laughs> Some of them will just flat out abandon you and run away back toward the vehicle or the house as fast as they can. Thanks, man's best friend. No, their dogs are flat out terrified of Sasquatch. They know what they are, and there's a reason they're terrified. It's instinctive. And and I can I, I can honestly say that you look you know when I know there's an old trapper around here he used to live about you know probably fifteen miles from where I am right now and he had two big Rottweilers on his property and something screamed on the edges of the trees of the mountain he lived nearby 
and he had told my friend Mike that my dogs have been in encounters with grizzly bears, black bears, moose, even Sasquatch. He goes, but whatever screamed at them in our yard, right in the trees, he goes, my dogs urinated all over the patio and and literally crapped themselves all over the patio and my two and and these were big rottweilers like the 120 pound rottweilers big dogs and they were cowering would not go down on the grass whatsoever <laughs> you don't know how many times i've heard that and it doesn't matter how big and tough and bad the dog is and right he took on a polar bear you know bigfoot shows up they wet themselves and try and hide under the house <laughs> and that's just the way it is man and it is more peculiar to me when you actually get the the sightings where they get along with them which does actually happen caveman you know i just talked about him a few weeks ago where he cited that one walking down that lonely dirt road in the middle of nowhere as he was driving home and didn't even bother to get off the road as he went by. And I'll get back to him again in a second, because he just sent me a picture during the show, and I sent it to you, Dave. It's already on your phone. Uh, <clears throat> of A recurring thing that happens every so often during the summer when he has his uh, window open, because it's too hot down there in New Mexico, and he puts a fan in one side of it, and then they walk by and they look at him through the window. Well, you got a picture of one again. He's he's had previous ones where he's got him doing that before. So here's the here's the latest one from tonight. <laughs> well, I mean, it's weird. See, this man. is what I'm saying. This is constant, man. Like during the show, literally, he sent me this picture. Hey, this just happened. They're, they're walking by the window, peeking in again, and I'm like, yep, <laughs> yep. It's a it's active time of the year. And we were talking about that earlier. I, I was mentioning that it is busy right now, and all the people I knew that uh, know that do field research are all reporting the same thing right now. There's lots of activity going on. Uh, Stephen Hill's gotten a few good pictures recently. So is uh, William Lunsford, the guys down in the Folk, Arkansas, and Sulphur River area down there near Texarkana and into uh, Arkansas and that whole area, Oklahoma. Uh, lots of activity down there. And hearing it in other parts of the country, too. Got a question coming from Tony over in the UK. It says, good evening, Duke. Could you tell us about the new DNA information that recently came out on your channel? So if you could, if you could uh, maybe break it down for our audience, what came out? Well, the incredibly short version of it is that there has been a presumed to be bloodline of uh, uh, possible Russian Bigfoot that inbred with humans over in, uh, trying to think of which teeny province it is. It's in the Georgia area over in the former Soviet Union around the Black Sea. Uh, Anyway, uh, her name was Zana, and she was captured and uh, kept around as sort of a circus exhibit, passed around to different noblemen. And then she ended up living in this village, and uh, she was very peculiar. She was about six foot six, uh, covered with long uh, reddish hair all over her. Wouldn't wear clothes if they tried to put a dress on her. She'd rip it off and throw it, <laughs> throw it away. She would uh, wallow in the um, the mud pits with the water buffaloes. Tell me a human that can do that, wild water buffaloes. Swim across the local river there, even during the winter when it had ice flows in it. Um, she could outrun a horse 
And she was said to be able to pick up a 170-pound bag in one hand and carry it off like it was a purse. There are other peculiarities about her, too, including her grayish-black skin. And what humans do you know are gray? Well, Sasquatch, a lot of them are. So <clears throat> they found out that she had descendants that were still living in the village. Amongst them was uh, the older man named Kvit. And the people in the village knew where he was buried. And so they dug his skull up and they examined it. And he had a very unusual skull, very robust looking. Uh, reports of him from when he was around was that he could actually pick up an oak table with his teeth and stand up with it. So you got to have one hell of a jaw and robust skull and, and everything else to be able to do that. He was uh, very large and very strong too. Um, so they presume that she was a some kind of a, the local Leshy Almas, uh, the Bigfoot-type creature that they have over there. So for a long time, they were trying to figure out where her remains were. So this is far enough back that it was difficult to establish where she had been buried. So a few years ago, they think they had the area actually located. Yeah, Dr. Igor Burtsev himself was the one that was there helping dig her up, and they pulled the skull out. Now they've had the skull stored for a long time, and they've been waiting for a chance to actually DNA test it and see if it is, in fact, the mother of Kvit, whose skull they've had in DNA testing quite a while ago. And this is the new DNA test that they did. And, yes, it is absolutely Xana's skull, and absolutely that is uh, Kvit's mommy. So now the next step of DNA testing that they have to do is test her MUC7E gene and a couple of other markers that they want to look for to see if she is, in fact, um, from the sub-Saharan African gene group that they presume she is, or if she's something completely different. Now, they had been working originally the presumption that she was some kind of a Neanderthal, but since they got Kvit's skull and DNA tested it, they've been able to exclude that as a possibility since we have Neanderthal DNA already sequenced, so we know what that looks like. So, And he didn't show any, any unusual markers for being anything other than human, but they didn't test it that far either. So it's like you have to, in genetics, you have to ask a specific question, you get a specific answer. It isn't like you ask one question and you get 50,000 answers. So each one of these things has to be done, you know, tested for separately. And just for them to go through the, the genetic testing to actually prove that, you know, pulling up DNA off this old skull that was viable to prove that she was the mother of Kvit and then write the paper on it took four years. So this isn't a fast process. This is actual science. And actual science also takes money. So the people that are doing this work on the skull right now are trying to get funding from some rich guy with, uh, you know, good good taste and where to toss his money, like Elon Musk maybe, or whoever happens to have a huge pile of it. And we used to have Tom Slick back in the olden days that would fund all the Yeti research and stuff, and then his plane blew up over Montana. So he ain't around anymore. So, you know, the, the Bigfoot community is doing their very best they can with zero funding, which is the problem. I mean, they got the Department of uh, Hominology uh, in as a division of the Department of Evolutionary Science in Moscow, Russia. And there's, uh, you know, Russian scientists over there that are allowed to work on this, but they basically don't get any funding. So, again, they're trying to crowdfund everything in order to get the money to actually go look into this, to do the DNA testing and all this other stuff that's necessary to figure out what's going on. 
with the DNA testing that is going on, what exactly are the specifics that they are looking for to separate that from any type of hominid that they may already have DNA for? Well, the one thing they're looking for is the MUC7E DNA marker, which is, uh, that's a type of, of saliva uh, DNA that's, uh, it's called a ghost DNA right now because it's been, um, they've gotten it in sub-Saharan African populations only. And it's from some archaic um, ancestor of ours that's so archaic that it's more further separated from us than Denisovans or Neanderthal by a wide margin. And so their thinking is that this MUC7E DNA actually came from Sasquatch, who we haven't otherwise classified. And if that's the case, and she has this marker, she was, in fact, a Sasquatch and not just some slave from sub-Saharan Africa. So that's the angle they're interested in. And so far, as far as they've been able to push it, it is going in that direction. And Rich Soul that I had on last weekend, he's the guy that did the uh, the linkage between, hey, this MUC7E ghost DNA strand and da-da-da, Xana, Bigfoot. So the interesting thing now is that you can get eDNA done. So, like, if you've got a little pond that you think, you know, Bigfoot might have uh, gone bathroom in or something, you could take a water sample of that and have it eDNA tested for MUC7E gene. And any place in nature, including the air, where you can find the MUC7E gene, there is no known living creature that's generating that. Hmm. So if we don't have any known creature, it, would that be considered something of earthly descent or something a little bit more supernatural? Oh, no, it's a, it's a physical being. The point with this is that it's such an archaic DNA um, signature that it's like it's further removed from us than the Homo Denisovan or Homo Neanderthal or possibly even Homo Luzon, Homo floresiensis, all of these other, uh, you know, proto-humans that were around at the earlier on the same time we were when the world was a lot more like Lord of the Rings with lots of races running around there. They're all apparently more closely related to us than this whatever it is from sub-Saharan Africa that's got this ghost DNA strand. It's incredibly archaic strand. So realistically, assuming that all these other guys went extinct, that really shouldn't be around right now. So that's what they're looking for. Because that's such an archaic strand, you know, you're talking about some really early, really rugged humanoids with something like that that aren't going to look anything like a modern human. Well, let us, when we come back from the break, get into some of your favorite sightings so far this year. Because I know you're getting stories each and every day of some incredible sightings and encounters people are having around North America and the world with Sasquatch. From World Bigfoot Radio, we have Super Duke Sullivan. And yes, this man does wear a cape when he goes out looking for Sasquatch in the forests of Montana. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. That was a quick half hour, man. Yeah, show that picture uh, that I sent to you to the uh, 
the studio at some point here. They're going to enjoy that. You can see his eyes looking through the window. One of me got previously is even better. There's one in the foreground looking in the window, and there's one back behind him. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best trying to get that over. Casual, they do keep adults alive. They kidnap women and men in over in Eastern Europe. Apparently, they were more prone to have female Bigfoot kidnapping uh, human males. And here in North America, it's just the opposite. It's the uh, Bigfoot uh, capturing and uh, abducting human females. And some of them even been brought back again, like the story of Seraphine Long, where one of them kept her in a cave with his family for about a year. And then she was getting so sick, she thought she was going to die. And she begged him to bring her back to her tribe, which he did after a year. So uh, some of them even get returned. But okay, I'm taking quick sig break too. Hi, dangerous Roxette. Oh, he's a little bit dangerous. Yes, love that song. Going back to, I think, 1989. When did Dangerous by Roxette come out? Loved Roxette back in the day. Dangerous Roxette. 89? 88 it came out from the album Look Sharp. My favorite song from that album is still The Look. It's too bad uh, the lead singer, uh, I forget her name. What was her name? She passed away just a couple of years ago from breast cancer. Marie Fredrickson. I had a crush on her back in the 80s. Total crush on her. A lot goes into taking care of your property. You need equipment with more reliability, durability, and versatility built in. Like number one selling Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, Z-Series mowers that deliver a quality cut, and Sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Lee Tractor Company of Mississippi. Mississippi's elite Kubota dealer. On the web at LeeTractor.net. 13 Platinum Records. Over 65 million albums sold worldwide. This is Poison. Brett, Bobby, Cece, Ricky. The original lineup returns. Sunday, July 3rd. Center stage at Silver Star Casino. Tickets on sale now. Visit PearlRiverResort.com. Don't miss the party of the year. Poison. World Tour 2022. Must be 21. Yep. What in the world could turn that or make that brown eyed girl turn blue? Hey, EMF, you're unbelievable. Oh, there we go. That felt good. Dirty filth. He's just pumping out the art these days. One of these days, very, very soon, we're going to set up a store on our website or we're going to make filth's website with a store where he you can actually purchase his art 
Yeah. Uh, Donnie Cho, who is Dave's biggest celebrity crush back in the 1980s? Oh, that's simple. The one and only Heather Thomas. Heather Thomas from uh, The Fall Guy, previous to that on the movie Zapped with Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. Oh, I had every, almost every poster of her. Yeah, that was my big crush. And everybody was all about Heather Locklear back then, before she married Tommy Lee. And I was, uh, yeah, my celebrity crush today would be Katy Perry. Love Katy Perry. No, it wasn't Heather Locklear. Heather Thomas. Come on. Who did not have this poster? If you were a guy, teenage guy, <coughs> every dude I knew had this poster. Hold on. This poster in their room. Every single one had that poster in their room. I loved her. Loved her. I was going to marry her one day if I ever became famous, but I never did. Never got that close. Heartbroken. So heartbroken. But yes, that was my crush back in the day. Terrible times. How are you? D.L. Bailey. Farrah Fawcett. Eh? Not too bad of a choice there. I was never really into the Christy Brinkley. Never liked Cindy Crawford. Yeah, Heather Thomas was my choice. And then Elizabeth Shue. Remember uh, Adventures in Babysitting? She eventually went on to, in the movie Cocktail. Yeah. Elizabeth Shue as well. Hi, gorgeous D. Swagger. Here we go. the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram, at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok, at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio coming on in, talking all things Sasquatch and monsters tonight. He is filling in for Geraldine Roscoe, who fell ill right before the show and just could not make it. We feel for her. Uh, but you know what? Here we are, rocking and rolling with our good friend Duke. And Duke, I'll get you to unmute your mic. How you doing there, buddy? 
I'm back. I'm back. And as for the Zen and key of Sasquatch, they live by the law of Ra, the law of one. So there's the fill in for Geraldine tonight. Oh, very and powerful. Keeping it squatchy. I'm to what? We don't squatch. And keeping it keeping it very Sasquatchy. Thank you. Thank you. We cannot allow our friend Super Duke to be using illegal words here. We're going to have to put our hand up, blow our whistle, and sit him in the penalty box for a couple of minutes here. It has happened. It has happened. You know? And uh, it was funny. A couple weeks ago, uh, Jessica Jones on Off the Trails on our weekend show uh, had a uh, guest on who was all about the Squatch word. And I find I finally tuned in. It was like like not even three seconds after I tune in, I hear him say the word squatch, right? And I type into the chat room, "Hey, guest, I forget his name. What is a squatch?" And Jessica's <laughs> like, uh, Jessica reads a comment. And she's like, "Uh, yeah, we don't like the word squatch around here. It's actually a band word. We'll use the term sasquatch <laughs> instead." Yeah. So I felt good about that. It's all in training, man. All in training. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. The Bigfoot themselves hate the word Bigfoot. They'd probably prefer uh, the S word over that. But, um, yeah, it's, speaking of uh, scary things, did you see your other half of your birthday present? Because remember, on your birthday, you wanted me to come on and read Guggly reports. Yes. Well, I made a 15-minute short video out of that. I, I did not have a chance to see that yet. Well, you're going to want to look at that because it's the other half of your birthday present, and it says for Dave during the credits at the beginning of it. And I went full on, okay, microphone guys, here's how it's done. Here's the sound effects. Here's the actual Gugwee sounds. Here's the creepy music in the background. Here's all the pictures of what they look like in the areas where this was happening. And, yeah, just about everybody pooped their pampers after they watched it. So you'll you'll enjoy it, Dave. Yeah, Donnie Cho, by the way, uh, says, Law of One, Duke's talking about raw material. Oh, he knows. You're tuned into that. If if Donnie calls it that you're tuned in, you are tuned in there, Super Duke. Yeah, it's just what the, the Sasquatch say. That's their, that's their modus operandi, according to them. All right, Duke, you get literally dozens of reports every week about people having close encounters, far encounters, strange encounters with this creature. You know, I know there's a few that stick out with you, and you go out and read them and and break them on down for World Bigfoot Radio, your YouTube channel, which we highly uh, suggest all of our listeners when they're on YouTube to go and subscribe to. But lately... As we are going through spring and now, you know, just a less than a month away, a couple weeks away from summertime here, you know, what are we looking at, Duke? What kind of year has it been for some high-quality sightings? This is the most active time of the year. During the winter, they don't move around much. During the summer, they don't move around much. During the spring and fall, they move around a lot. And all the better researchers are privy to that little piece of knowledge. They're all spending the maximum amount of time that they can out in the field right now trying to see what they can catch and all a lot of them are already contacting me going duke i got enough material for another hour long show <laughs> and i'm like thanks guys i was counting on you to do that because it's not uh big quitting season here yet we still got a little ways to go before we can endure being up in the high mountains and not freeze to death at night so it's nice to have these guys down in the south where it's already blazing 9500 degrees and they're out there doing stuff 
And uh, yeah, Stephen just sent me a picture that he got the other day of two of them sitting up in a tree. It was at least one of them. And it's, he's got two different pictures of it, and in, it's in different positions. And one, it's like peeking at him. And the other one, it's got its hand holding the branch back, peeking at him. So even more obvious. And he also got two of them sitting out on a hillside, sunning themselves. And then when he came back the next day at about the same time, so same light conditions, took a picture of the hillside, and they're not there. So he's got a bunch of activity in his area. William and uh, his uh, buddy down there, Daniel, have been running around his research area. And he doesn't give me any specific details, but he said they just had a ton of stuff. He got one big female walking across an opening right in front of him. And he was trying to get the camera up and get it on in time to to get the, you know, object walking along. And as soon as he got the camera on it, it quit moving. <laughs> so he still got a picture of it, but it's like, it won't move. Please move. You're on video. No, it's not going to move. It's just going to stand still now. Wow. Wow. And how so they're doing their best. I'd like to shout out to uh, Swan Lake Bigfoot up there. He's in, in your neck of the woods in Canada. Not the same province probably, but uh, he's been catching a lot of stuff. Everybody, if you like Bigfoot stuff and guys that actually get things on camera, go check him out. Swan Lake Bigfoot. And uh, he he routinely gets, uh, he'll be walking around the woods and stuff and they'll be in the background watching him. Sometimes he spots them and he gets, you know, fairly good video of them and stuff but you can zoom right in you can see the face is perfect so he's doing a great job hats off to him uh blaine tyler is going to be on this coming uh sunday because he was uh 10 years ago uh is when uh dr john bendernagle went up there to northeast ontario to visit with blaine and check out his research area and all the stuff that was happening up there so he wanted to do a retrospective on that since dr john is not with us anymore sadly we really could use him right now. Um, <clears throat> but uh, some really cool stuff there, including pictures and video that he's never shown before. So they'll all be uh, the researchers that know what's going on are all spending a lot of time out in the woods this time of the year. And, of course, I'm getting the usual reports from people that don't know much about Bigfoot and are having suspiciously weird things happening around their property. And they might need my help with some question they've got or something like that. And then I have to look into it the best I can from long range, which is always the case. I'm always far away from where it's happening. And uh, except this, uh, by the way, that report you gave me on the little kid, one of my research team members lives near there. So I can just pass that right along to him. So if you want to send me that info over on me, we I'll get it to him and he can do boots on the ground local and find out more information on this I would very be, suspicious I, story. I would be very, very curious about that. That one just just absolutely hits me and for those who are just tuning in there was a story that we were talking about for about 45 minutes about you know no just about an hour ago here on the program where a four-year-old boy went missing in montana and was found two days later not a scratch not a tear uh you know a little hungry a little thirsty a little damp and cold but otherwise absolutely okay 2.4 miles from his house after he disappeared in his yard while playing with his dog i would be curious to also know if there was a fence around that yard i'd be curious to know yep it makes you wonder what the dog was like that it would just you know like let the little kid wander off by himself most dogs are more protective than that depends on the breed of the dog 
Yeah, absolutely. But if you know, again, if they couldn't trust the dog any more than that, why were they letting the four-year-old outside play with them by himself? Truth, truth. Maybe they just have astoundingly bad ideas. You never know. We have not met the parents, so we do not know that part of the story. Well, you know what? I'm sticking with our theory. Our theory works, Duke. The kid's got some yeah. Sasquatch. Well, I don't know. For anybody that's nearly died of hypothermia before, it's pretty easy to do. If it's in the 40s and you're wet, uh, uh, you're in trouble. You better keep moving and stay warm and sweating the whole time. Any other cool sightings you've you've recently got from this year? Oh, Lord. There's just so many of them, it's hard for me to think of one specific one. You get, you're getting a lot of reports of them traveling through areas that they don't normally hang around in. But that's kind of typical for this time of the year, and that's why you get a lot of people that have never seen one before. Maybe they're on a new property or they're in a different area than what they used to live in, and all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, there's a Bigfoot going through my yard. Well, have you ever seen one there before? No. <laughs> I don't want to see one there now or ever again. You know, <laughs> And, that's it, again, it's because they're spring. They're moving around this time of the year. What do they? Okay, you mentioned that they are moving around this time of year, and they're you know are they are they searching for food? Are they searching for for new places to live, new territory? What are they running around for? Looking for? I dates? think there's very little turnover in that. I think we're not sure where the heck a lot of them go in the winter. The more northerly ones, it doesn't seem like it makes much difference. But the ones around here are not very present during the winter. And I know because I've camped out during the winter looking for them. They just tend to not move around very much. Same thing in northern Minnesota. So they find some kind of an area and they hunker down. And from my point of view, the chances are that they've already piled up a whole lot of food there. And during the winter in these areas, if you hunt a deer or an elk or something and kill it, it's not going to rot. It's going to freeze solid pretty much instantly. So you got refrigeration. You can pile up several of them in a pile and have them just laying there right next to your cave whenever you're hungry. Go up to the entrance, pull one of them inside, muncha, muncha, muncha. And the, uh, I think it was Barnes and Anderson that documented the longest Bigfoot trackway ever on film in northern Minnesota. It's like uh, three miles long. And they had uh, been bushwhacking with their snowmobiles, and their snowmobiles had holsters with chainsaws on them. And what they were doing was making an all new snowmobile trail. And so they had already cut through about 10 or 12 deadfalls as they're making this trail. There's several miles out in the middle of nowhere and there's this kind of open field and there's tracks going across it. which look kind of like a human might've made them except for as they're filming and they're following these tracks, they're wading through the snow. It's almost up to their hips and whatever made these tracks clearly stepped over the snow to leave the next footprint. So it was huge. And the distance between tracks is huge. So they started following these tracks, and it didn't take very long to figure out they're following a Bigfoot track, <laughs> Bigfoot trail. So they actually spent the whole day following this trail and documenting it and filming it, and lots of really good stuff that they got on that one, including they noticed that whenever it had the option of standing on a fallen tree, even if it was under the snow, they would walk down the fallen tree rather than walking on the ground like a, a, a habitual peculiarity to them. 
and also that they would snap little branches anytime there was a branch within reach or something they'd do a little they'd snap a little piece of it so they're following these tracks and he gets to this one point where the track steps from the ground up onto a fallen tree you can clearly see where the impression of his foot came down and then apparently steps down the tree from there it takes a right turn and he's trying the other guy's got him on video and he's standing like right next to that footprint and he's trying to reach his leg out as far as he can and he can't get his foot to where that fallen tree is where it stepped up on with its other foot not even close to it this guy's over six feet tall so now they're getting really kind of freaked out. They end up following this trail. Like I said, it takes them most of the day. And they come around to where this trail has been looping in a circle. And it seems to be going back in the direction that it came from originally. And it's going into this swamp. And they're like, okay, that's that's enough of that. Let's get out of here before it gets dark. So they came back a couple of days later to see where the trail had come from. They saw where it went to. They didn't see where it came from. So they backtrailed it a little bit. And there was this hillside that didn't have much snow on it and had a whole bunch of fallen trees. And the, the tracks just started there. And they spent a bunch of time trying to figure that one out. And what he finally got was, wait, he was walking on the trees all the time. Let's go from the fallen tree right next to where these tracks start and go fallen tree to fallen tree up to the top of the hill. And sure enough, you could do that. And he got up to the top of the hill and he found a couple more tracks up there. So they're habitually doing this. If there's fallen trees, they're walking down the tree trunk to not leave a track. That's how much they're trying to hide their presence. So about two weeks later, these guys came back and it was earlier in the day. And they went all the way up to the end of the trail where it had gone into the swamp. And they followed in a little ways further. And there was a little box canyon in there. And at the box canyon is where the trail ended. But there was a game trail that went into the box canyon. And also dead-ended. And they noticed there was a bunch of, like, fairly recent large uh, prey animals had been down this trail but had not returned. So one of them got down to the end of it. He went, okay, there's about a 25, 30-foot rock cliff here. I, I can climb up to the top of it, get a better look around. When he gets up to the top of it, there's a pile of dead deer and a dead moose all laying there nice and frozen. Wow. Nice food source. Yep, exactly. So they're not moving around very much during the winter. They got, you know, they're, they're piling up the food. There's been other people that have found in caves and stuff where they've actually had food caches that looks like somebody was hiding food there. Uh, little holes in the walls that had been plugged with mud. And if you peel the mud away and you pull, you know, put your fingers in there, inside of it, there's a dried mouse with a leaf wrapped around it. And the people that found this cave said there was like dozens of them in the wall. Well, what human's going to do this? What kind of animal does this weird thing? So they're stashing food in undergrounds and stuff for the winter. So they don't have to move around very much. They're very aware that they leave tracks in the snow. So they're trying not to do that most of the time. And then during the summer, they don't have to worry about it. Unless they're stepping on mushy ground, they're not leaving a trail anywhere. It's easy for them to hide their presence. They move around a lot more. And in the spring, they're probably moving from wherever it is that they're hiding in the winter to wherever it is that they have their best hangout spot, food sources in the summer. And that may be a fairly large area where they're going, okay, uh, the fish are running in this river over here now. And, you know, another week from now, we'll be able to head a couple miles up the mountain because there's a berry patch up there that will all be ready to go. And then we can head over here to where the cattails are and eat cattails and blah, blah. You know, they eat practically everything. So I'm sure it's just like a bear. They've got a whole route figured out. And older bears do that, too. 
they know at certain times of year in their range when there's going to be certain food supplies and they show up just like somebody rang a dan- dinner bell couple questions coming from our audience duke let's start off with sovereign farts here who is asking is there a consensus as to what the three-toed tracks are or is it still being figured out uh which kind of three-toed tracks i mean i've seen two different things one of them looks like a giant reptile or bird track and the other one looks kind of like a Bigfoot track, except it's only got three toes on it. Those kind they're finding down in Falk, Arkansas, in that area. William Lunsford's documented several of them. And uh, they're different sizes. So there's a breeding population of whatever it is down there that's making these things. And he's tied it to some local sub-variety or something because somebody saw what looked to them like a Bigfoot and after they both mutually left the area, he came back the next day when it was nice and daylight and went back to the same spot. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. One more rep. You know that feeling you get when things just magically work? Like when my 300 gyms get restocked ahead of schedule? Bingo! Your equipment supplier has Salesforce Customer 360. It unites teams around gym owners like you for wow moments like... When new weights come in my custom shade of blue. And those gym towels you liked? So plush, so thick. With just one click. Wow! See how uniting your teams can help you wow customers at salesforce.com slash customer 360. ...and found tracks where it was standing, and these had the three toes on them. So, you know, at this point, we don't know. Some kind of a genetic mutation in that one area. The other ones that look like giant bird or reptile tracks. Reptoids, man. I'm not sure what the heck's making those things. Wow. All right. Let's get to another question here. This one from Gloria, who is asking, have we gotten any closer to understanding Bigfoot language? Yes, there's people that actually talk to them, but they're not willing to tell the public all about it usually. And the other thing that's uh, that I just found out here in the last couple of years is that, uh, yeah, obviously they have their own language, but they're just like the native tribes in North America. Each regional area has their own tribe that has their own language. So just, even if you manage to learn words uh, from them, it'll only be really useful in the area where you learn them from them because that's their local tribal language. Although if you learn how to say hello or something, they probably all would get that one. (laughs) There's going to be differences in the other words and stuff, in some cases at least. That is interesting. I know, I mean, I can't even figure out how, you know, hearing the samurai chatter that we heard in the forest around here, the same type of chatter that Ronald Moorhead filmed back and recorded back in 1976-77. I can't imagine what that, trying to translate that, I mean, it just sounds like gibberish. Yeah, the problem with their their language is that they uh, they speak very, very quickly because I think they're used to mind speak, so they try and make their mouths do the same thing. Uh, And apparently they can do it. 
uh, Ron Moorhead, he was just over at the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference with me back in April and uh, playing the Sierra Sounds and talking about some of that stuff again. It's awesome, as always. Now, I know a couple people that uh, one of them in particular understands parts of the language that they speak in the Sierras there where you recorded it. And they've been able to actually translate some of it. It's very interesting what was going on. And it, and it makes total sense, too. Um, the, uh, yeah, the, again, the problem is, is that they speak so fast. I heard an actual Sasquatch speak English. And he can speak pretty good English. And you still got to pay really close attention to what he's saying because he says it so fast it makes an auctioneer look like slow motion okay what did it say you can't you can't lead us on and tease us like that what did it say oh it was nothing spectacular it was talking to another one of my friends and they had recorded the conversation and i was listening to the way the way he was saying things and you almost had to listen to it twice to figure out what he was saying because he'd go through it so fast i can't even mimic it I can't talk that fast. Has anybody tried to slow down the recordings to see if it could be translated or it actually sounds like actual words? Oh, yeah. They had an expert, uh, military expert on uh, cryptolinguist that uh, took the Sierra Sounds and did a breakdown on it. And he's absolutely convinced that it's a language and also that they're speaking it really, really fast, which makes sense from my observations where I've actually heard like I said, recording of one that was speaking English to somebody that I know. <laughs> like, still hard to understand what they're saying. They've got this really deep, gruff, gravelly voice, and they're speaking ridiculously fast at the same time. So it sounds like... Oh, I, I get you there. I've heard it. I've heard it. Right? As we got about 90 seconds to go, tease us what you're going to be talking about in the cryptid report coming up here, man. Well, how much time do I have? I'd like to tell you guys the story of the Giant King from the Solomon Islands, but that one's kind of long. Well, you will have approximately 15 to 17 minutes. Okay, I'll see what I can dig up that fits that length. <laughs> yeah, I got stories for you. No problem, Dave. Not a problem. <laughs> All right. You know, I, I'm just excited about it, man. I'm I'm just very, very excited about your research and what's going on this year. I'm excited about my gifting site, you know, and hoping that gets going. I'm going to be having a, a chat with uh, Robin McRae here in the next day or two in order to try and see if we can get something going in that area. If not, we'll try a different area. How late were you out there before you guys heard noise and then ended up having to leave? Well, we didn't have to leave. It was just we'd been out there for four and a half hours, and it was getting past midnight. About mm -hmm. tw about twelve o'clock is when we heard the uh, one branch crackle, and and you know uh, my buddy Mike said he heard some puffing. I don't hear quiet sounds because of my tinnitus in my ears, so that one's a little bit. But we didn't hear any like heavy footsteps or. Or, you know, just the odd branch breaking. I mean, but it could have been anything. Moose, bear, deer. Yeah, you never know. Although, I'll tell you what, their most active time to come mess around by camps and stuff is between midnight and 2 o'clock in the morning. Good to know. Super Duke from so World... So, next time, just show up at 10. <laughs> Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here as we got, coming up in Hour 3, the Swamp Dweller with another great story from the Swamp. And... We also have 
Super Duke with his weekly or cryptid report. Then we're going to head to Vancouver, talk with Shane at the shift. Shirky Poo's got the news. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. All right, let's concentrate now on Dirty Filth and his beautiful art as we take a quick break here on the show. And uh, let's see here. Who's Jenny going after? Sovereign Farts. What did you say? Bad. Bad Sovereign Farts. (laughs) Stinky Sovereign sovereign Farts. Hi, gorgeous Heidi. How's God's big toe? All right, I'll be right back. Radio. Take it away there, dirty filth. I turned off my music. So anyways, here's Dave. Even Dirty Filth again to ramble the audience. And they can't even see the damn chat room. But nonetheless, I decided to draw another cartoon. So the triangle. Unbelievable. So. Going with the triangle. Random drawing. Wob's whining in the background. I can't do anything about it. This is your fault, Dave. Yeah. She's not actually... She's fine. Blob. She's probably a mouse or a bird or something. So anyways, I decided I'd draw an extra drawing, because uh, what the hell's not? So here we are. An extra drawing. Whipped it out. Another triangle. Yeah, it's a blob struggling away. Terrible. Come on, blob. Alright. I really don't even want to say to you guys. Hope you're having all a good night and everything. And, um, hope next time you go to an ATM machine, there's a $20 bill stuck inside that sucker. But I'm going to paint up the. I'm going to paint up the rest of the buildings here, and then we'll be on to inking. Oh, the inking's already done. There's actually a secret drawing I'd insert into this, so. Stay tuned. So, as we see here, we have Dirty Phil's drawing cartoons on Space Over Radio. People are probably watching. Or they're out letting their dog go for 
chasing around a squirrel or two. Or maybe their dog fights a dog man. That's what I was wondering. I want to find it. If I ever get a dog, my dog, its requirements needs to be able to scrap dog man and Sasquatch at once. Actually, not really. That's unnecessary. I don't, there's guaranteed no dog man or Sasquatch inside Edmonton currently. Maybe in the River Valley, some Sasquatch, but definitely no dog man. I just don't think it would happen. But that's the way it goes. Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Nonetheless, it's almost Friday. Friday's pizza day. Order pizza. Draw more cartoons. Ramble on. We'll try to finish up this extra super cartoon. Seems like it could go in a t-shirt or something. Hello, Stunning Cindy. How are you? Well, Dave, how do you like my super whipped up cartoon out of the middle of nowhere? That looks beautiful. That's a lovely black triangle there. It's not quite entirely black. It's a little more neon, but... Union of the Snake, Duran Duran. I was thinking more Ordinary World, Duran Duran. That was a good tune. Well, you know what my favorite Iron Maiden song is? Run to the Hills? Different World. That's such an awesome song. It's just got some kind of sound to it. There's something about it. Oh, does, does Iron Maiden have a bad song? Pretty much everything they play on the radio I could never listen to again and be okay with. But other than that, for the most part, no. They're, they're pretty good, but if I'm going to pick Iron Maiden or Man of War, man, i got to go with Man of War. we got 23 seconds. Thank you so much to Donnie times two, Ange, Bigfoot, Rob, Jan, Cat Chaser, and Thomas for the awesome super chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love. Thank you to all the veterans out there who are tuning us on in in our chat room. You always have a safe home here with us and all our regulars. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs sideways, and hang on out. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Renarian, 
Renarian is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight as we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I'm not the type to believe in this stuff, mainly because I'm not very superstitious. But these two encounters made me doubt whatever was going down on my farm. The first encounter occurred when two friends and I were having dinner. Everything was calm. We ate outside since this was a relatively ample space. That was until we heard a woman scream, which was extremely odd since the country I live in is very calm, with very few criminals, or even animal attacks. Since we were in the wilderness, I found that to be relevant. I was the first one to react. I climbed to the wall separating the house grounds from the animals. From there, I could see almost all of the houses near mine. My friends got up right after me. We stayed in total silence, waiting for another scream, and we heard it. This time, we could understand what was said. It was a very high-pitched, Help! She yelled this multiple times and then a bunch of gibberish no one could understand. One of my friends quickly grabbed the phone to call the police. As we assumed it would be some sort of domestic violence or robbery, I held my axe and my other friend followed me to the gate. We didn't leave because nobody knew what we would find since something sounded odd about those screams and not quite right. Right before the police arrived, we heard a thud and glass breaking. I assume it was a window. The screams stopped as soon as the police arrived, never to be heard again. The police found nothing of note. Later that night, my friends and I stayed up chatting about what had happened. One of them was oddly quiet. When I asked him what was wrong, he said, I've heard those screams before. He claimed he had heard that same type of scream before while walking his dog. The next day, we got up and decided to check the house the screams were coming from. But there was one weird thing about it when we arrived at the place. There was no house. It was a forest, just trees upon trees and bushes everywhere. We returned and decided to forget what had happened since it was not a good time and we were trying to have some good vibes. It would take many years for someone to relate this encounter with a skimwalker. I know I didn't at first, but when it happened twice, I started connecting everything. The second encounter happened when my cousins were over. Like the previous night, we had a good, peaceful dinner. That's when my cousin and I decided to go for a little walk in the garden that I had. It was made of the frontier with a vast forest, only separated by a small stone wall. We were walking and talking and laughing and having a good time when I started to hear a man talking. Not in a normal voice, 
It sounded like there was something in his throat that produced a weird frequency. Again, I grabbed my axe and called my cousin and his sister. We got near the wall to hear what he was saying. Like the first encounter, we could only understand gibberish coming from him, and it just wouldn't stop talking. It kept going on and on and on, not even taking breaks to catch their breath. After listening to it, we realized we couldn't do anything about it, so we left and finished our dinner. They go home, and I find myself alone here. It was unsettling, and then I start overthinking more and more, and I remember the times my dog would spend entire nights barking at the forest when all the existing animals were wiped out by hunters. I remember the warnings my parents gave me when I was a child. Always leave the forest and lock the doors before sunset. Regardless of my questions, they would never tell me why because, as I mentioned before, it was a quiet little location in a peaceful country. I couldn't understand why so many worries were to be had. But this all ended when the loggers came to cut down all the grown trees, leaving the forest visible. Before the trees were cut down, you couldn't see anything in there, even during the daytime. After they cut the trees and the excellent weather came, nothing weird happened, and my dog stopped barking at the wall. I would like to know if I was being paranoid, or if I really was potentially having encounters with a skimwalker, or something similar. Uh, we love the swamp dweller around here. He comes in nightly to spook us out with his creepy stories that can all be found on his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads. If you check it on out, he's got thousands of stories for you to check on out. I literally listen every night going to bed right after this show, and I highly suggest you go over there. And check it on out as well. YouTube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. Well, tonight we're going to continue on with Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Except this time we're going to hit the theme song and bring in the Cryptid Report. Uh, it's been a good night so far all around. We're Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio hanging on out with us tonight. And Duke, I know during your cryptid reports, you always like to bring a stellar story for us. we got about 15 minutes for you, my friend. Let's do this thing. We'll get you to unmute your mic again. Quick mention, first of all, of a uh, report that uh, <clears throat> Hammerson Peters just put out on his channel, the cryptographer of the North, and he's talking about uh, Luke Guru, werewolf, wolfman, story-type stuff, and mentions how a lot of it goes back to the French voyageurs, and they brought this sort of stuff over from France with them, and then immediately does a 180, go Harrison, and talks about the fact that all the native tribes had stories of this stuff way before the white man showed up. They knew there were these wolf-headed, weird-looking people that lived in the woods that they didn't want to have too much to do with because they're kind of dangerous dogmen. Yeah. And guess what? That's not too much further north from where you live, Dave. Wonderful. But let's. <laughs> I know you always like to hear that. There's always some horrible thing somewhere near where you live. Well, you're just in the wrong place, bud. What can I say? <laughs> so anyway, for tonight, we're going to go to uh, True Giants, a book by Mark Hall and the esteemed cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman. And 
this is one of those chances where you get to play the game. Was it a giant or was it a Bigfoot? So that's what you got to wonder with each one of these reports. Now you must ask yourself, giant or Bigfoot? Here we go. Once in a while, the appearance of potential. One more rep. You know that feeling you get when things just magically work? Like when my 300 gyms get restocked ahead of schedule? Bingo! Your equipment supplier has Salesforce Customer 360. It unites teams around gym owners like you for wow moments like... When new weights come in my custom shade of blue. And those gym towels you liked? So plush, so thick. With just one click. Wow! See how uniting your teams can help you wow customers at salesforce.com slash customer 360. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Mix and match two or more. Five ninety nine each at Domino's. Two-item minimum. Pan, pizza, bone, and wings and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Actually, true giant get some widespread news coverage. This happened in Alberta in 1969. A potential true giant appeared within sight of the construction site for the Bighorn Dam. The dam is on North Saskatchewan River, west of Nordegg. Several witnesses mutually support the view they had of the tall, hairy beast. They also had the benefit of trees near where the giant stood. They could judge the accuracy of their estimates of its height by measuring the size of it against the trees. On August 23rd, five construction workers reported seeing a dark-moving figure about on a ridge overlooking the site. The men were Floyd Hengen, Dale Boddy, Harley Peterson, Stan Peterson, and Guy LaHiro. The figure was as tall as the spruce trees beside it, and that meant it was 15 feet tall. The figure watched the men for a while. It sat down, then finally stood up and strode away, taking long steps on its thin legs. The local Indians had been seeing a group of four such creatures in the area, but they said nothing until the excitement was raised in August at the dam site. Now, I know Blaine Tyler has done additional research on this, and he said there was one of the gentlemen that had saw it originally and was watching it for about 10 minutes watching him, and then he alerted the other four guys, and for the better part of 45 minutes, they were all watching this thing, watching them. So they all got to see it. They got to see it move around. They were all pretty freaked out about the whole thing. And Blaine's assessment of it was that it actually was an actually gigantic size Bigfoot. Okay, episode two. This one here happened here in Montana. Uh, it took place in 1977. Three men were chased from a hill in Belt Creek Canyon by what they described as a 15-foot-tall hairy creature. And I was just recently near there. You can see that on one of my videos when I was returning from the Bigfoot conference. I filmed the uh, Little Belt Mountains. These were airmen from Malmstrom Air Force Base. In other words, pilots. But only one of them came forward and allowed his name to be published. He was Fred C. Wilson. He took and passed a polygraph test. The other two men confirmed the story to the press but remained anonymous. The three were with two youngsters that day. They were intending to camp on a hill above Belt Creek. A thunderstorm developed at 2 a.m. on August 20th. They decided to go back to their vehicle. On the way, they heard a noise. The Great Falls Tribune reported what Wilson said happened next. And <clears throat> before I continue to read this, folks, if you see one of these things, do not brandish weapon at it or shoot at it. That's how they made their mistake. But here we go. Quote, 
I turned on my flashlight and saw this huge creature standing beside a tree about 25 yards away, unquote, Wilson said. Quote, we watched it for about 10 seconds before it moved off into the trees, and then we ran for the car, unquote. According to Wilson, the creature was walking up right across a clearing when the men reached the vehicle. One of his companions fired two shots from a shotgun to frighten the animal away. Quote, the shots were not fired at the animal, but into the trees adjacent to it, unquote, Wilson said. We were not trying to shoot it. We just wanted to keep it away from us so we could get out of there. But, of course, it has the opposite res uh, result. The three men said the ape-like creature charged and got within about 20 feet of the vehicle before they managed to reach a high enough rate of speed to escape. Wilson gave this account of it, quote, it looked like a semi-truck coming at us. It took 40-foot strides. It was hideous. It had small apish-type eyes with flattened nose and canine-type fangs, which showed when its mouth was open. Its face was totally covered with hair, and the head was oblong. <clears throat> this is the very type of giant that was identified by the American Indians in this part of North America. Uh, Mick and Ruth Gidley in Native American Myths and Legends identified some of them. These also have ominous titles such as Crusher of People and Killers of Men. Giants and cannibals occurred in many stories. Sometimes they had only one leg or one eye, or their eyes glowed to the supernatural brightness. The Washoe feared a one-eyed giant who lived in the Pine Nut Mountains near Carson Valley, Nevada. Other tribes often had legends in which the mountains were inhabited by giants. This is my area again. The Kalispell Flathead in Coeur d'Alene told of the Natliskiligutan, or Killers of Men. The Northern Paiute told of the Nemujo, or Crushers of People. We have heard of tunnels frequented by giants and caves where they dwell in the mountains, mostly undetected. Such dwelling places would be a natural refuge for these enormous hairy ape-like monsters. There is no shortage of caves associated with them in Indian lore. In California, the Miwok Indians have specified the locations of large caves that were the abode of these feared giants. More recently, these true giants apparently were in the news from New Mexico in August of 2005. Three tall and hairy creatures were reported in and around August at uh, Nenanazad. Uh, sorry, probably bangled that name. With refreshing clarity, the people in the know in New Mexico refused to equate the local reports of hairy figures 10 to 12 feet tall with Bigfoot. They insisted the reports made sense as being the giant they knew as Yitzel. Uh, Ryan Hall of the Farmington Daily Times reports, according to William Sotzi of Shiprock, which, by the way, is where a caveman lives, Bigfoot doesn't exist in Navajo culture per se, but Yezo is a giant opish creature similar to the Anglo concept. It really means monstrous, he said. Uh, Wallace Charlie of Shiprock, according to Navajo legend, Yezo is a people-eating monster, and he got that one correct. He noted the creature is also thought to assist in bringing rain to the Navajo people. He added, there is no such thing as Bigfoot in Navajo legends. That is not true. This book is flawed. I uh, somebody's been on my show multiple times. He's an expert on Navajo lore. He has the college degree to prove it, and he's 100% Navajo. And that's Randy K. Manyazi. And he has done a ton of Bigfoot research. And he will also tell you there are Bigfoot in that area that are that big. He's found the tracks. He's heard the reports. Uh, so <clears throat> Lauren might be out based on this one. So anyway, the enormous footprints of the true giants made the news in the last half of the 20th century. Tracks over 20 inches long and showing four prominent toes were reported at Pitt Lake. Now, these are all troll tracks. These are what we call mountain giants because they're four-toed. 
Pitt Lake, British Columbia in 1965, Snoqualmie, Washington, and Cold Lake, Alberta in 1976, Abbey, Alberta in 77, Yakult, Washington in 1980, Prineville, Oregon, 96. We can add uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, Gemstone Mountains here in Montana in 2019. As my research assistant, Michael uh, Matt, found a 26-inch one and photographed it. Since here, the vast forested and mountainous spaces of the American West have long been home to these true giants, according to the American Indians. Modern residents have been telling of their own encounters with hairy figures with heights of 15 feet. As records indicate, the true giants can be found anywhere from Alaska to the border of Mexico. And there's two problems with that. First of all, these mountain giants, mountain trolls, you can distinguish them from regular Bigfoot because, first of all, they have four toes. So that's a pretty easy one to figure out. Other than that, they have a very Bigfoot-like foot, but tends to be a ginormous, and the width is a little bit wider in relation to the length than is common with a Bigfoot track. These other guys that they're running into that are between, you know, 15-plus, probably in the 20-foot range, that look like a Bigfoot with red hair, they're also not a Bigfoot, and they're almost indistinguishable again, from a regular Bigfoot, except for the gigantic size. Those are man-eaters. That's the Genosqua, and they have six-toed tracks. Apparently, at some point, they may have hybridized with the Nephilim, but they do apparently have six digits, six toes, six fingers, double rose teeth. Uh, very few of them will put up with humans. They'll just eat you. They're not good. They're on the bad guy list. Even the regular Sasquatch are terrified of them. They don't want to be near them. Really? Yep. Are these okay? So I'm listening to this, and are these different than these wild man Gugway creatures? Oh yeah, I don't think the Gugway have any relation to Bigfoot whatsoever. Uh, it doesn't seem to be part of their genetic line. The Bigfoot that talk about them absolutely hate them, but apparently the dogmen don't like them either. <laughs> They'll exterminate them whenever possible. They don't seem to be any kind of relation to them. And my best guess would be they might be descendants of. Some of the giant Ice Age animals we used to have, and in particular, um, uh, Dinopithecus, which was a uh, Ice Age baboon, which on all fours was about as tall as a human. So all you have to do is take its tail off and stand it upright, and you got a gugly. It's a dead ringer. Same personality, too. Mm. Mm. Still scares me. Still. Yeah, wait until you see the Gugly report I did for you, Dave. That's really going to scare you. Well, we got four minutes. <laughs> four more minutes. Well, anyway, the, the important point to take away here is that there are things out in the woods besides Bigfoot. They, some of them are rare. These giants tend to be really rare. You don't think that they breed very much or very fast. So you don't run into one of them very often, thank God. And the Genosqua, it seems like they just want to live up north. They don't like the heat or whatever, probably. And it would surprise me with their massive size. They need more room to wander around in. And colder climate would fit them better. A lot of conservation of energy. As you go further north, you get bigger animals. Why? Well, because if they <laughs> they got bigger size and less surface area for the, the mass that they've got. They stay warm longer. Keeps them from freezing to death during the winter. You know, and I had somebody bring up, well, what about elephants? Yeah, we used to have mammoths, clown. <laughs> They're extinct now, but they were bigger than elephants. They lived further north. Hmm. You know, the size and the differential between these creatures, I don't think even an amateur 
like myself could tell them apart. I mean, what are we looking for in differences here if we come in contact? Well, one rule of thumb you could pretty much rely on, and there are some Sasquatch with red hair. But even so, most of the reports of those are they are dangerous. They have bad temperaments. They can't be trusted. Stay away from them. Apparently, all the Janoskoi have red hair. Seeing a pattern here. What color are the Yetis in the Himalayas that eat people? Red. Wow. Anything anything that looks like maybe it's a Bigfoot and it has red hair, leave the area. Mm. There's your rule of thumb. Okay. So basically what you're saying is red-headed Sasquatch have no soul. I don't know about that, but they sure have an ugly disposition. <laughs> they don't really care about us as other than an annoyance or a food source. You stay away from those. And again, this ties in with the uh, Giants of Lovelock Cave that Princess Winnemucca uh, did the account on from uh, her people's histories, where these things were like basically humans, like the Giant of Kandahar, 15 feet tall, but they all had red hair and they were eating people. So if the Janosqua were some group of Sasquatch that either willingly or not inbred with them and created these hybrid offspring, that would not only explain the tremendous size, but the same ugly disposition and penchant for munching on humans. Makes sense. And that would also give you where these red-haired ones came from because it's possible that, you know, they've inbred more, further with Sasquatch. So there's these bloodlines of these red-haired ones running around to some of the other Sasquatch tribes on the continent, and they're just equally as foul-tempered and dangerous as their progenitors are. So, yeah, our general rule of thumb, if it's got red hair, stay away from it. Very cool. Very cool. Super Duke, we got about a minute left with you tonight. Take the time to let everybody know where they can find Bigfoot Radio all over the Internet, man, because I know you are everywhere. I try to be. I'm not all that good at it. I'm on TikTok, too. You can find me over there. Uh, I'm on YouTube and Rumble and Odyssey and BitChute and Bright Eon, World Bigfoot Radio. You can type it in there. It'll come up. And most of my stuff is actually contrary to the name. It's visual because I tend to bring on the researchers that have lots of stuff to show, and then we show it on the show. That's what the show is all about. Uh, also, if you want to catch me uh, where you can interact with me, I have uh, groups over on Facebook, which are basically support groups. Montana Bigfoot Project, which is all about the research we do here in the state. And then there's the uh, support group for World Bigfoot Radio over there, which keeps you up to date on what's happening on the show. If you really want to get a hold of me in person, come on over to the MeWe platform. Not censored, no ads. And find World Bigfoot Central over there where I'm on constantly. Whenever I'm awake, I got a tab with that up so you can get a hold of me right away if you have some emergency or something that you need help with. And of course, I will do that. Robin's not the only one that has to wear a cape and help people all the time. Awesome. World Bigfoot Radio Super Duke coming up next. We are going to head to Vancouver. We are going to hook up with Shane Hewitt and the shift go right across Canada talking a little UFOs and High Strangeness on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. One sec, Duke. Hey, Vancouver, how you doing? Oh, great. How are you tonight? Excellent. We're ready for you. Awesome. All right. Well, we, uh, here with, uh, 
I can't go at 34. You guys know that. Give me, give me, give me 35. All right. Okay. <laughs> They're trying to time out their show, and it's like, hey, dudes, I have a radio show here too. You know. God, I love Shane and his crew. They're good people. Only Tabooger, oh. how are you? No, glad I could jump in, pitch it, and you, help Duke. you out here, Dave. Thank no you problem. so much. Although buddy. I gotta say, hilariously enough, I was talking to one of my friends about a half an hour before he called me, and I went, "Oh God, I hope I could stay up long enough to be on the show later on tonight. I'm just exhausted." And then you called me up and went, "Dude, can you be on the show all night?" And I'm like, "Uh." Oh God, I I was just about to have uh, I I you know what I get this mode where it's like I'm talking, trying to find a guest as well as trying to prepare a a show that I may have to do on my own at the same time. It is high <laughs> stressful. High stress. Yeah. No kidding. Well, I didn't want you to be that stressed out. So, yeah, I could I just chug down you, a buddy. giant mug of coffee and stay awake for another three hours. <laughs> I appreciate you, brother, for doing that. Thank you. You're very welcome, Dave. Love you. Love love everybody on the show. You're all awesome. It's a great Thanks place to Thanks for coming on Super Duke. The best. Super right on. Duke. Thanks, man. Super Duke. Thanks, Nicole. Yeah, I'm on TikTok. I got two short little videos over there. UFO and Bigfoot peeking. Uh, perfect. Bigfoot ducking. All right, buddy. We'll let you go. Take See care. You guys. Love you. Love you, man. Take care. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. Hi, gorgeous Marlena. How are you? I never know if it's Marlena or Marilena. Or Marilena. Or Marilena. Or Marie Lena. This is the shit that goes through my mind at times, people. All right. Yeah, I got that stuff covered. There's that one. And we're good. We is good. Ready for the Vancouver boys. <laughs> Where are you? Restore belief, aka hi, Nick. Lunar Tina Sovereign Farts doesn't like the Anunnaki false gods. Why? Because they don't rip them fairly. It's true. Can't make this stuff up. You know, Dave, since we're on break, my opinion on that is avoid notice by any god possible. Well, everybody's got their own beliefs, man. 
Everybody's got their own beliefs. All right, we got one minute here. Got to change this water really quick. Bad water. Bad water. Oh, yeah. Chuck Fast, how you doing, man? I am good, man. We are just loading up here. Give me two seconds. You're going to get a little bit of lightning, thunder, and that's the way we like to do a segment here on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Shane Hewitt from Chorus Radio Networks, the shift going right across Canada. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very good, thank you. Uh, I have a question for you. We can talk about it later as we get through the list of things first. UFOs, because only humans would somehow politicize a UFO, and uh, talk about some of these sighting things, and then I want to get your thoughts on what an alien would look like. Oh, okay. I'm curious about that. So let's get started here, shall we, with the uh, the Canadian politics and what's been going on, because I know you're excited to share some more news about uh, political people talking about your UFOs. Well, you know, last week we had a member of parliament from Brandon Sewers in Manitoba, Larry McGuire, come on Spaced Out Radio. It was his first long-range interview. We had him for one hour talking about Canada's role in ufology. And there were a couple of real interesting comments that the member of parliament made. Number one was that he was starting to get some bipartisan support within the NDP regarding Canada researching UFOs and potentially once they can get it on the floor, if they can, if the liberals allow it, that we would be actually allowed to maybe bring forward the idea of having Canada's own UAP task force. Because right now, all of the files are separated between a number of alphabet agencies, whether it's the Department of National Defense, the RCMP, NAVCAN. One more rep. You know that feeling you get when things just magically work? Like when my 300 gyms get restocked ahead of schedule? Bingo! Your equipment supplier has Salesforce Customer 360. It unites teams around gym owners like you for wow moments like... When new weights come in my custom shade of blue. And those gym towels you liked? So plush, so thick. With just one click. Wow! See how uniting your teams can help you wow customers at salesforce.com slash customer 360. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Mix and match 
Two item minimum pan piece of bone and wings and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. Canada, Transport Canada, Canada's spy agency, CSIS. So there's a lot of, of real uh, interest in trying to get a task force going to get all of these reports put together. He believes that Canada's top scientists should run the program, that this should not be military controlled, which I thought was very interesting and very pleasing and soothing to my ears, you know, because he wants the public to know that these are happening over Canadian facilities. He even went as far as to say that there have been UAP spotted over Canadian nuclear energy facilities and believes with all the security cameras, especially around the the plant they call the Bruce plant, which is the largest nuclear energy facility in the world, that they believe that there could be videos of these, whatever they are, hovering and flying over Canadian nuclear facilities. Is there any perspective on size for those, Dave? I don't know the size. That's the problem. And he didn't get into specifics because a, the minister and the deputy minister, John Hannaford, and his assistants allegedly knew nothing about any type of UFOs over nuclear power facilities, which is kind of ironic because there is public record of this happening. Okay, so... um Small little things, big things. I imagine what you're going to say that you know, people are seeing these things from the ground, that pilots would be seeing them too. What about commercial aviation pilots? Are they seeing these things? Are they having this conversation? They are. And apparently this conversation is starting to make its way through military pilots up in Canada as well. Now, previous to this, the reason why a lot of pilots did not speak of any type of UFOs that they spotted in the sky was because there was a real stigma around that they could lose their flight wings and their days of piloting aircraft whether it was military or whether it was commercially would be done if they actually filed a ufo report nowadays knowing that they are taking this more seriously mcguire and many others are hoping that this very much opens up the door for more pilots especially ex and current military pilots to start speaking loudly about what they are seeing in canada's skies All right, so what's next, Dave? I know you've been looking for more information on all of the um, politicians and uh, everything else. You had Larry McGuire on. Uh, Is he seeing some repercussions of this? Are people looking at him kind of going, what's happening? Or is this actually pushing the narrative forward? Because I know that you've shared for me for a couple of years here that you really wanted the acknowledgement that these things were happening. Well, the good news is I asked Larry McGuire that exact question. What was the response from his fellow politicians around this? And resoundingly, he said he hasn't got a negative comment about pursuing this at all. The only strange thing that has happened, Shane, is the Liberal Party of Canada has yet to speak on this. We do know that Harjeet Sajjan, the former Minister of Defense, had been uh, read in. I believe it was twice. My informants in the United States 
and not Canada, have told me that Sajin and Prime Minister Trudeau were read into the UAP phenomena back in 2019, somewhere between August and December of that year, after David McNaughton, the former ambassador to the United States, actually had a meeting in Washington, D.C. regarding the subject. And then he flew back to Ottawa to break it down for the Liberal sitting members. Now, that is unconfirmed. The Prime Minister's office has not released any information regarding that meeting between McNaughton and Trudeau and Sajin, but we do know that other politicians are getting on board. They are actually quite happy that Larry Maguire has stepped up, put his neck on the line, so to speak. The only ones really, Shane, outside of you and me in this country, and now a little bit from CTV News... We're the only ones talking about this publicly. We're the only ones who are hammering this home that Canadian politicians are starting to talk about what their American counterparts are talking about, and that is UFOs and the potential threats over Canadian airspace. And what does this lead for Canadian pilots and Canadian security? Canada's Prime Minister was at NORAD um, going on a summit trip and doing all those things. Uh, is it wishful thinking, or have you already learned this lesson that nothing comes of it uh, if the topic, this particular topic, because if he's going to have it, wouldn't NORAD be the place that this unfolds from? NORAD would exactly be the place where it unfolds from. And it's just so coincidental that I received a phone call from one of my sources in Washington, D.C., who just happened to be in the Denver, Colorado, Cheyenne Mountain area yesterday so i'm going to ask him about that and see if there was any briefings so to speak all right so not only are people seeing ufos flying over these uh, nuclear power plants and all these different things uh there is a story of a southern ontario boy that i want you to share all right, this happened, and first off, I want to say thank you to a good friend of my shows. It's uh, Lon Strickler from phantomsandmonsters.com. He really has one of the greatest eclectic uh, libraries of strange sightings that happen. And this goes back to 1986-87, where a young South southern Ontario boy was outside enjoying his summer day when he had a close encounter with a mantid-like humanoid, some would call an alien. There was no last lost time, but there were several after effects of the incident. Now, the, man who, the gentleman who is now a man said he was a kid, recently moved to a new house, playing in his driveway beside the house, which was mostly dirt and stones, and the dad was in the garage working away, and he ended up seeing this this strange person walking around. He said it was a confusing sight, looked like an action figure, but he described it as like a mantid, like like a praying mantis head on a human body. He said the thing had a muscular large body. The head was like of the insect, but not quite. He said it was under five feet tall. Its eyes wrapped around its head and its face ended up in a point like a beak or like a mantis being. And the view he had was of its head was slightly turned with the body facing him. The eyes were rounded near the front of the face and wrapped to the back. Now this happened after a few seconds of looking at it and it looking at the boy. The window burst outward from his bedroom 
and he looked away for a split second, and the being was gone. He ran to get his dad, who was uh, said it was just heat in his imagination, because that's what good parents do. Never gave it much thought, attributed it to an alien encounter, until recently, knowing that it's exactly what he saw as he got older. And he, when he was a teen, he started having extreme pareidolia, seeing this thing all over the place. He got bloody noses a lot as a kid, got checked out, and it was attributed to a blood vessel close to the skin. He has no other recollections, no weird scars, and has only seen one UFO in his lifetime. But all the symptoms are there that maybe he's got aliens. So that does lead us to the question, though, Dave, is what do aliens look like? I mean, they're... There seems to be, you'll know this better than me, so please clarify, you, there seems to be sort of three or four basic shapes that at least have been you know, reported or at least Hollywoodized, is that a word? Um, and and what, what do, to you, a guy who literally lives in this stuff all the time, what do aliens look like? Well, there are a number of alien species that people claim to have had. We just talked about the mantid-type beings, which some see it under 5 feet, some see as high as 7 or 8 feet tall. We we see people uh, claiming to have these encounters with gray aliens. Uh, the grays are the ones that you see on the movies or the cover of Whitley Strieber's communion book with the giant big eyes, uh, almond-shaped eyes, uh, the, the, bl- the, the bland look on their face, uh, giant head, very skinny, pale bodies. And those are said to go anywhere from three feet to seven feet tall. Well, you know, I have been told that if you remember the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, they got two different types of aliens there. They got the little grays, they got the big gray who's like eight feet tall with the long spindly arms and legs. I've been told that that is a very true comparison to what many people are seeing today. There's the humanoid-type beings that, you know, look just like you and I, except maybe they've got pointed ears like a fairy, or they have better skin than Jennifer Anderson on her commercials for the, you know, the moisturizing cream. And That's possible. Uh, I know, She's I know. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, speaking of that... I had one of my audience uh, listeners ask me this question. I'll ask you this question for my audience. Who was your 80s crush? My 80s crush? Who was your 80s crush? I think I... That's a good question. Who was my 80s crush? I'd have to think back to some of the older movies. Um, yeah, what were my 80s movies? Oh, there were a lot of them. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What was yours? My my eighties crush. Remember from the Fall Guy, Heather Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her. Because I, I think every one of my friends had posters of her. Remember all the bikini posters. Mm-hmm. And remember Elizabeth Shue. She was in Cocktail. She was in Karate oh, Kid. Adventures in Babysitting. Those were my two crushes. Yeah. Helen Hunt might have been nineties. Yeah, she was more nineties. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's funny. Then there's a picture that I I um. I, I see in my mind of one. And what was the um, what was the movie Ryan with the flying dog? It was the, uh, you know, it was the fantastic movie. Oh man, what a oh, never-ending story! Show. You know what it was? It was I mean, the never-ending story. According never-ending story. There was uh, thank you, dirty filth. Remember? 
Yeah, that was a long time ago. The uh, I don't even know who the actress was, but I remember watching yeah. that show over and over again because Mu- young man. Musically, was- though, yes. it had to be Debbie Gibson. Had to be Debbie Gibson. That's funny. Actually, that's really funny that you said that. Um, Debbie Gibson wasn't Canadian, was she? she, she no, she, she's American. Yeah. <sighs> that's funny. So... Is this how your show goes all the time? You're Sometimes. Talking it, about aliens? Or are you just connecting your 80s crushes to aliens? No, I, I was at... cross them over in your dreams. Well, when people are in my audience, we have a chat room going on on our live YouTube that we have going during the show. And, uh, you know, one of our listeners, Donnie, asked the question, who was my 80s crush? So I figured, you know what? I'm going to throw you a wrench for once. So I did. Okay, well, that's fun. I think that's totally fun. I, you know, 80s crush. I would like to ask Ryan that question, but he wasn't alive then. Although, wow. going backwards in time, he probably has one. Yeah, you think I don't? Come on, it's Winona Ryder. Like, no hesitation, Winona Ryder. Really, yeah. eh? I thought it was, oh, yeah. I thought it was yeah. B. Arthur, personally. I what, uh, wonder what the, the, the ladies' 80s crushes on the men were. That'd Tom be- Selleck, probably. Had to be Tom Selleck. That that power mustache back in the day, that could swoon anybody. Anybody. Still does today. Of course it does. Pretty, it's a pretty healthy push, pretty healthy push broom. Mike, Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, yeah, that was a good one. You know, Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise, when, you know, the original Top Gun came out. Although, if you watch the original Top Gun, you can see that he clearly has new teeth from when he did the original Top Gun to the new Top Gun movie. Uh, good for him. He can afford it. Oh, cool. I'm glad you brought it up. That's fun. Dave Scott, spacedoutradio.com and 80s crushes. <laughs> there you go. Look out for, the, look, look out for them aliens. Take care, buddy. Absolutely. Take care. All right. We say thank you to Shane Hewitt on the shift right across Canada. And now we head over to the news department where Shirky Poo's got us set up. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News. All right. Let's see what Shirky Poo has for us tonight. All right, let's start off in Disneyland. It turns out Disneyland isn't always the happiest place on earth, as Disneyland Paris had to issue an apology after an employee recently ruined a marriage proposal at the theme park. Yeah, so in this uh, video that went viral online, you see a man kneeling on one knee about to pop the question to his beautiful would-be bride in front of the iconic Sleeping Beauty castle. But... Before he can finish the proposal, a Disneyland staff member runs over and abruptly snatches the ring box from his hand. The employee then redirects the couple to capture the romantic moment on a different platform, saying, Yes, that's great, but it'll be even better over here, resulting in booze from onlookers. Whether this area of the amusement park was strictly off-limits or the employee was just simply trying to find a better location for the grand gesture, the man's timing was completely horrendous, 
reports that the after the awkward moment, a Disney spokesperson decided to address the situation and apologize. We regret how this was handled. We have apologized to the couple involved and offered to make it right. Regardless of the apology, many have slammed the Disney staff member anyway, intervening with one person writing, Disney must pay him a good amount of money to taint people's magical moments. Oh, that is just horrible. Horrible. Like he snatched the ring out of the the potential groomsman's hands. Who does that? All right, sticking with Disney, a couple opted to spend their wedding's food budget on Mickey and Minnie Mouse instead. Needless to say, their guests weren't too happy. A woman shared on Reddit's Am I the A-Hole subreddit that she and her then-fiancé but uh, gave their guests a less-than-magical experience by using their food budget on a 30-minute appearance by Mickey and Minnie Mouse. It was a dream for the self-described huge Disney fans, but more a nightmare for the guest. My fiancé and I just got married two months ago, and we had our dream wedding, the poster says. And it's now been deleted, but it goes on to say the bride's aunt took to Facebook to complain about the disappointing lack of sustenance at the wedding with a few guests agreeing with her. The issue was with our decision to not offer catering services and bar services at our wedding due to rooting the money towards having a wedding with Minnie and Mickey Mouse making an appearance on our special day. She detailed that they actually splurged on two separate half-hour experiences with Mickey and Minnie. The first was during their dance. The second was while they shot their wedding photos that day. She said it cost about $2,750 for one session, adding that it worked out to be almost exactly what our parents allotted for our catering budget. The bride said that there were plenty of facilities at the venue where people could eat as well as vending machines. Yeah, because we all go to a wedding to eat stale potato chips out of the vending machine. She insisted that having the characters there was a big deal. You have to understand that this was Disney official wedding, Minnie and Mickey. It's a two-year waiting list just to see the dates available. Most comments from the post remain, and the Redditors were beyond shocked at the bride and groom's Disney-fied wedding option. Imagine sitting at a table with no food, watching two weirdos in costumes pose for pictures with Mickey and Minnie Mouse, one person said. This is so weird, a second person wrote. Why even invite guests? The fake characters in costume were obviously more important than anyone invited. Where do you stand on that? Let me know. A California woman recently bought a sofa off of Craigslist. Yeah, Vicky Umodu of Colton, California, purchased the furniture after moving into a new place, and she scored a free set of sofas that seemed too good to be true. And... It's like hitting the lottery, because when she got the furniture home, she discovered inside one of the cushions was $36,000 in cash. Yeah. She scrolled down on Craigslist, saw free items, grabbed it, and brought them home. The family confirmed they were giving away the furniture of a loved one who recently passed away. So Umoto recalled thinking it was a heating pad or something in the cushion. She unzipped it 
and saw several envelopes filled with money. She said she never attempted to keep what the loot and the immediately or what the money was and immediately called the family to let them know of her discovery. The family told her they also discovered money hidden around the property, but only a few hundred dollars. As a reward, they gave her $2,200 and insisted on buying Umoto, a brand new refrigerator for her new house. She goes, I was not expecting a dime from him. I was not, but God has been good to me and my children, and we're very thankful. That's a way to make things work right there. And we say thank you to Shirky Poo for collecting the news. Super Duke for hanging out with us all night long. Shane Hewitt from Chorus chatting away with us about UFOs. Swamp Dweller for another spooky story. And what a great night of radio all night long. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. Rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Town Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mister Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. One more rep. You know that feeling you get when things just magically work? Like when my 300 gyms get restocked ahead of schedule? Bingo! Your equipment supplier has Salesforce Customer 360. It unites teams around gym owners like you for wow moments like... When new weights come in my custom shade of blue. And those gym towels you liked? So plush, so thick. With just one click. Wow! See how uniting your teams can help you wow customers at salesforce.com slash customer 360. What's the big deal, deal? Where can you get pizza, bread twists, specialty chicken, and more for just five ninety nine each? Is it at Domino's? He hands off hand-tossed pizza and a marble cookie brownie. He's going, going, going! There's a lot of variety on the radio and at Domino's, too, where you can... Mix and match two or more. Five ninety nine each at Domino's. Two-item minimum pan pizza, bone-in wings, and bread bowls will be extra. Ask for this limited-time offer. Prices, participation, delivery, area, and charges may vary.